This podcast is brought to you by Audible. Please visit audiblepodcast.com slash G-O-T for your free audiobook download. Welcome to the Game of Thrones podcast, the officially unofficial podcast for Game of Thrones on HBO. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. And we are talking about Season 5, Episode 1, titled The Wars to Come. Game of Thrones is back. Yeah, it and, is, baby. Uh, just as good as ever. I would say better than ever, but it's always been so good that uh, it's hard to say. I thought it was a great first episode, honestly. Yeah. Um, it, was, it was exciting to see. I think we got a little bit more answers to how they're going to reconcile how much material they're covering in the books versus the shows and from a book reader perspective. And I think from a, just a pure show watcher experience it, uh, I was a little bit worried that they'd be dishing out too much information, uh, stuff that came from a long time ago. Uh, but it doesn't seem like you were lost at all. So no, and you're dumb as no. hell. Yeah. I'm real dumb <laughs> and I don't pay attention when I'm watching either. So it's a double whammy. Uh, no, I, I feel like it was all fairly straightforward and it all is, Leading to these wars to come. And the I mean, stuff, it does a good job living up to its name. And there's some stuff that's like uh, you're not supposed to understand. And increasingly, there's stuff yeah. that you're getting into the points where even like there's a lot of deb- debate about book readers because we have no evidence either way on some of this stuff. Gotcha. So, there's probably stuff that is being set up that we have yet to even realize is being set up. Sure. Um, I mean, that stuff with what's his name who comes back, who was the, the servant of Robert Baratheon. I'd, yeah, Lancel. Yeah, Lancel, when he comes back and God's, says, Gods, oh, yeah, what a all, stupid name. <laughs> it, it was all, you know, it was all basically a plot, and here I'm going to reveal it in these lines four seasons later. It's like, oh, okay, sure. sure. So a lot of this stuff we might not even have an inkling is important will sure. be later on. Indeed. Uh, and I, I really like that. That's cool. Uh, so I do we even need to ask who made this? I personally know because I was watching the episode and I know I recognize the name. Yeah, it was directed by Michael Slovis, who yeah. achieved fame as a cinematographer on many, many episodes of Breaking Bad, actually mm-hmm. ended up directing five of them. He's directing the first two episodes of uh, Game of Thrones this year as oh. a unit. Okay. And it was written by the Double Ds themselves, David Benioff and Daniel Weiss. Alan Zeppenwall noted that there was a couple of winks to like the Breaking Bad style storytelling, like the <laughs> air hole cam or shithole cam. No, okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. As they might be for Tyrion. So some of that look and feel, but I mean, this is a, great, a, a traditionally great looking episode of Game of Thrones. Although I, yeah. it's improbable, but this show keeps looking better. If you watch season one and mm-hmm. even season two, it's not that that ever looked bad, but you you compare the the sets and just how the props and some of the dress and just the cinematography, and then you look at like season four, season five. It's it's head and shoulders above. Hmm. So they keep on as they get bigger and bigger budget, more and more popular. Yeah. They're actually, you know, I know this is controversial along some <laughs> networks. They're actually plowing that money back into the show. It seems. You know, I think HBO is pretty good at that. Yeah. HBO has a standard of excellence that is helped by a big budget. Sure. It's helped by kind of some of the more business-minded tactics that they have. We've talked about their kind of weird economy, that they don't really chase ratings necessarily. It's more about making their subscribers feel like you're buying a premium product. 
And part of that is delivering a premium product. Yeah, and uh, they do. It and, seems almost across the board. I can't sure. think of an HBO show that I would say is bad. Yeah, just objectively bad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're also being handsomely rewarded because 8 million people officially watched this. Jeez. Okay. Which is a about 2 million over the season 4 premiere and about a million over the height of last season. So Not bad. Not still bad. steady growth for a, a premium cable product. And this was after, uh, before the episodes released over the weekend, the first four episodes were leaked in their entirety to the internet. Someone Ooh. got a hold of some screener copies <laughs> and have... have uh, uh, you know, spread them hither and yon. Also, probably not hurt by the launch of HBO Now. That's certainly which is how I watch the thing. Certainly, yeah. Because uh, I I don't have cable anymore. Sure. So I'm watching my HBO stuff on that. Towards the end of the spoiler section, we'll ha- or not spoiler section. Sorry, the feedback section. We'll be talking about um, you know uh, the ethical and show watcher dilemmas presented by the episodes being leaked. So. <laughs> Okay. Uh, I put it at the tail end because I'm not sure if everyone will find it interesting, but enough people asked us what our opinion was. So I figured I'd throw it in there. And before right. we get into the episode, I just want to thanks again to Highway Superstar for loaning us their intro music. We have to give it back when we're done. We do. We do. Yeah. All the bits. All the bits. I mean, really, they've got, they've got kiosks that we just go put the song back in. Can we have one it's unit of song, please? Yeah. Uh, it's checked out library card style. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, you can go and see our show notes uh, for a link to uh, his SoundCloud page and also a link mm-hmm. to the tunes. You can download for free. It's pretty awesome. Yep. Good stuff. All right, let's get into the recap. We start off with young Cersei and her friend wandering through the woods. Actually, more traveling through the woods. They're, they seem to be on a mission to find this witch who then tells her her future and says, you're going to be queen for a time, but then someone younger and more beautiful will take your place. Uh, she seems bothered by that. Even the young Cersei seems bothered by that. It's very Maleficent. This is very, you know, mirror, mirror on the wall kind of stuff. Ah. So, sure. yeah, she seems she seems bothered by that. I think that's an understatement. <laughs> <laughs> well, Saying that you're going to be like cast down by someone younger and more beautiful, which I think uh, s- this age Cersei can hardly imagine. Sure. But you can imagine the Cersei that we see in the show now I feel like she's aware of the fact that the bloom is starting to wither just a bit. Yeah, you take a look at Marjorie and you take a look at Cersei, and she's got to be thinking, "Uh uh-oh, Yeah, look what she's doing with the king. The the prophecies are coming true. And as she's winding my son around her finger, Mm -hmm. what's going to happen in one year, five years, or ten years? Exactly. And also this, you know, it's, it's not just her own personal downfall. Uh, she is prophesying the deaths of all of her legitimate children, which is got to be a huge blow. And and also the fact that, you know, we're getting this. I, I like the fact that they're debuting this right now because this prophecy we see because we've watched the show, we've seen how much of it's come true. And, in, and it kind of serves why Cersei is so kind of bitter and paranoid um, and why she might be ill-suited to handle a threat for Marjorie. Well, she's kind of a little shit in this episode too. She's talking about gouging out her eyes. If Certainly. she doesn't tell her future and yeah, like, no, Cersei's still Cersei, but yeah. you take that base layer mm-hmm. of kind of like bitchitude. And then you put on a whole elaborate death promise. like, so whenever you feel yeah. like you're happiest in your life, mm-hmm. it also gives some poignancy to Tyrion's threat to her and why she took it so serious. Ashes about, in her mouth. Exactly. Like you can see all this feeding into her, 
already huge paranoia complex. So sure, that'll be entertaining. Got to hate Tyrion even more for being right. Right. I also <laughs> thought it was a funny nod to the book readers because they lampshaded the witch's appearance here. The witch was you know, pirates of the Caribbean level attractive, you know, like, uh, okay. She's yeah. a pirate winch attractive mm-hmm. and the book. She's hideous. Oh. She's like a hideous troll monster. The three eyes and fangs. Mm, and... Not the three eyes so much, but, uh, definitely the, the sharp teeth and this scales and the warts and all that crap. So I felt like that was a nice little wink to us book readers. Sure. Uh, then we see present day Cersei showing up at her father's body. I don't even know what to call this ceremony, but, it's some kind of showing or funeral or sure. wake or something. Westerosi uh, wakes. Some medieval get... death ritual. Uh, Jamie is is already there, and they argue kind of about who's to blame for all this. And uh, Cersei's pissed at Tyrion, as mm-hmm. she always is. And, of course, by extension, that means Jamie because he's the one who helped Tyrion out. Sure. So I I don't know she she probably has a lot of reason uh, good reason to be pissed here like, I I don't think Cersei is all just uh, piss and vinegar for no reason also like you know last season kind of charted the downfall of Jamie and Cersei's relationship oh yeah where would you say it's now like what is uh, because hmm. she's really bitter about uh, you know Jamie. Obviously, Cersei had a lot of complicated feelings about her father. Wasn't sure. too hip and being forced to marry Loras, uh, but she kind of felt like her her the, her kids and her dynasty, her dynasty, as he would say, <laughs> was secure. Uh-huh. Ty- Tywin dead there, like Jamie says. Like it's all the sharp knives are be coming out, and she is refusing. It seems like the aid of like one of her most loyal allies. Yeah, I'm. I don't know. She has a lot of reasons to be angry at Jamie. Certainly, uh, least of which is just her being mad constantly and angry at everyone uh, <laughs> and drunk. Don't forget and drunk. drunk, super drunk all the time. Um. So yeah, I th- there's nothing good about that relationship at this point. <laughs> I mean, it feels like they're keeping it up because they kind of have to. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a brother and sister bond. They're uh a, more than that obviously uh mm-hmm. there's something there keeping them together but they're very angry at each other or at least Cersei's angry at him it seems like Jamie was ready to to circle the wagons yeah he he it doesn't seem to go both ways here yeah with this anger which do you wonder you know where what what place is there in king's landing for Jamie at this point i don't know Maybe he can still, maybe he can be hand of the king or still in the king's guard. I don't know. He doesn't even have his hand. How can he be hand of the king? <laughs> he has a hand. <laughs> can I just say the eye stones are never not creepy? They're not. Like they start out with that shot of Tyr- or of, uh, Tywin on the table and, ah, oh, God, I just can't, I can't take it, man. All right, moving on. We get to Tyrion, who's traveling through a city in a box and is looking out, trying to f- see what he can see. Uh, he's let out of the box and he's i don't know he's very depressed he's he looks like he's malnourished and dehydrated and he immediately goes over the wine and starts drinking sure which is so Tyrion, and i'm really glad they had him do that sure uh but he's super depressed about his current predicament and his kind of lost a loss of nobility or lordship here well i mean i mean he hasn't technically lost it but there's no way it's honored now well and just his personal sense of self-worth that you can tell that, you know, making his father proud or getting his father's love is something that's been important to him. 
and sure. in one fell swoop, he he lost forever. Well, he murdered the woman that he loved. Mm-hmm. Uh, he murdered his father for saying that he's no son of his, and then he had to flee the uh, country in a fucking crate. Yeah, where he stuffed food in through one hole and shit out the other. It's essentially a modular human centipede thing that they were going for. You could just, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's a it's a highly evolved model from the original. Sure. And it, it, the other thing I liked about the scene is it works as you know, comic relief because mm-hmm. Tyrion and Varys kind of bitching at each other is never not good. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, I, I'm. So I had guessed that he was going across the narrow sea, mm-hmm. and it turns out he did. And we know from later in this episode that he's going to meet up with Daenerys. Did you understand where we're at? N- I don't really know where we're at. I know where we're going. Though, so this, so this Pintos really <laughs> is where we first met Danny oh, and Viserys. That's where we are. Pintos. They, they okay. were being sheltered in this guy's Illyrio Montpatmos. Uh, I don't know how you pronounce his last name. And those are the two guys, uh, Illyrio and Tyr- um Shit, Illyrio and Varys. Where the guy is walking through the dungeons of King's Landing, talking about, you know, this scheme to put the Targaryens mm-hmm. back that Arya overheard hiding behind the dragon skulls way back season in season one. one. Yeah. Uh, so, if if yeah, you know, I don't think it's crucial to the plot because he essentially says all this again. Mm-hmm. But if you did ha- make those connections, it was a big kind of you know, aha moment. Yeah. So these guys didn't like Robert Baratheon. Um, they were trying to, they, they formed some kind of restoration group for the Targaryen name. I thought it was interesting that they said it was a, a whole group of people. It implies this l- much larger, wider conspiracy. Yeah. Uh, which you start to wonder, like, you know, how, how far does that go? It's in Westeros, obviously. It's in Essos. Um, yeah, if we didn't have the scene with Loris, you said his name is? Yes. Or, wait, not... Not Marjorie's brother. Okay. The the sparrow guy. Oh, Lancel. Lancel. If we didn't have um, that scene, I would almost say like maybe they're responsible for the death of Robert Baratheon, but it doesn't right. seem like it is. It seems like Cersei is. That's the interesting thing because there's conspiracies within conspiracies. Like they would have, but they just didn't get to it in time. Sure. And ultimately, I don't know if... Do you think Littlefinger had a hand in that too? Or was he just more... Removing John Aaron and destabilizing, you know, removing his uh, Robert's base of power and kind of all of his reasonable advisors, because that's the uber conspiracy. It it seems like that, you know, that's that seems how Littlefinger works. I don't don't know. It's hard to tell where these lines because, you know, the Lannisters had this big conspiracy as well. So you've got like these three main conspiracies, uh, the Tywin Lannister one, the. Uh, Littlefinger one and the Varys one, and they're all competing. Who will be on top? Yeah. Who did what? Uh, I, I don't know. I'm sure they'll reveal more about that as we go. Um, the people of Marine pull down the harpy statue from the top of the pyramid in a effects-filled shot here. Uh, I, I love the close-up on the harpy's face that at the end, yeah. paid off really beautifully with the sons, the reveal of the sons of the harpy. Yeah. Really, really awesome CG. Sure. Yeah, I, I can't imagine the damage that was done. So it looked like they built some wooden scaffolding down the side of that to, to try keep to protect it from, it? Yeah. yeah, from totally just destroying the side of the pyramid. Right. But it didn't seem to cover the whole side, and so I'm sure there are gouges. And you wonder also, uh, like, it, I thought it was a more interesting question. I don't think you seem too interested in exploring it, but the mistakes you make as a conqueror. 
Okay. You know, I think there's a lot of parallels between foreign wars and invasions and allusions to a th- throughout this episode. But, you know, when you come in and you overthrow the ruling class and you uproot all of the culture down to the religious, you know, figures and all that, it seems like you're asking for rebellion and trouble. And I think this is another... Yeah, there's going to be turmoil, for sure. Right. You know, another problem with Daenerys is like, you know, she's a queen, I'm not a politician. Well, that's not even true in, in the strictest definition of the word of queen. I mean, sure. you, can't just, you, you can't just conquer and maintain power, especially since, as we later find out in the episodes, uh, she doesn't... Her, her big claim to fame was uh, her dragons. Mm-hmm. Always has been, probably always will be, and she doesn't even have control over those. Doesn't seem like it, no. Um, one of the sol- the unsullied goes to a whore to be pet like a cat, mm-hmm. and in the process, he gets his throat slit by a masked uh, masked person. Uh, did you find that shocking? Uh surprising, not shocking. Mm. Um, I wasn't disgusted or outraged or anything. Sure, but I didn't expect him to have his throat slit. No, hmm. I thought it was a really, I mean, that's kind of, uh, you know, that that happens more or less exactly as it does in the book. It's not shown. It's just referenced. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I liked it. It's, um, I, I think it's a great way to explicitly show kind of what's hinted at the book, you know, these these unsullied. And um, it, I, I wonder how this, this or does it shed light on the Grey Worm uh, Missandei relationship that seems to be forming uh, it certainly could, although he would deny it, I think. I don't know. I mean, so this guy, it seemed like he, uh, he was reliving, uh, experiences as a little boy because the back, backstory of the Unsullied are they're just abducted as boys and they're put through this brutal physical transformation and then denied personhood for their whole lives and essentially sold as a slave army. So I could see a guy paying to be just like comforted and sung to because that's something he's never experienced. Or if they do, they're very dim memory. Uh huh. And yeah. and so then is Grey Worm trying to? Because I feel I always felt like a brother sister energy to this more than although him creeping out over her being nude is is weird. I I I wonder if he's trying to relive some kind of brother sister experience that we're going to mm. find out. That would be extra weird with him perving on. The nude Miss Sandy. Yeah. And this is all like heavily, this is all, I mean, the, the Grey Worm Miss Sandy stuff doesn't happen in the books, and there's nothing that's really a direct yeah. counterpart to that. Um, okay. I thought they were just going to illuminate this scene and that you're going to get that, you know, the whole idea of the add depth to these Unsullied and make them more three dimensional people. Uh, they're going to do that with Grey Worm and Miss Sandy for greater effect, although uh-huh. then you'd have to kill Grey Worm. <laughs> but I don't know that that's. I don't know that you couldn't get away with killing him at this point. Sure. Yeah, I, I don't see why not. You've gotten away with killing more important people. Yeah, he's just commander of the Unsullied. I'm sure there's a ton of Unsullied just under him that would be yeah. just as good. Sure. The, maybe we can have an Unsullied Joffrey. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, speaking of the song, I assume this is some, you know, across the narrow sea song. Because it's not Reigns of Castamere, and it's not The Bear and the Maiden Fair. It's the Essos remix of The Bear and the Maiden Fair. <laughs> okay. It's a, a lot more of a bittersweet love story in Essos. All right. Sounds and good. In the Giscari Slave Empire, they, they put a d- different twist on it. So I guess that this masked person left the mask on the dead Unsullied. That's what we're, we're told, anyway. And they bring it to Daenerys and say, here, there's some bad shit happening. They talk about 
you know, the sons of uh, the harpy. And she basically says, hey, bring these people to me. She also says, we're going to we're going to bury this guy in a temple and give him an honorable burial and in public. So mm-hmm. everyone sees it. Mm-hmm. You know, every, everybody's worried. Uh, Embarrassing or whatever his name is, is uh, worried that it's going to cause these sons of the harpy to lash out. Yeah, if you recall last year, his dar Zolarak came to Danny to plead to take his father off of the crucifixion and bury him at this Temple to Graces. And uh, if you read between the lines or if you're a book reader um, or steeped in the lore, you'll know that that, that that temple is where kind of the upper class are are interred and can, and can be buried. Um, yeah, I so guessed, but... It would be another kind of insult to the ruling class to bury a common a common slave, a freed slave, but in their eyes a common slave. Like the one kid said... Uh, they don't see us as people, mm-hmm. so it would be an affront, a further affront to their senses, as well as pulling down the golden harpy and all this other stuff. Yeah, definitely. I'm I'm wondering how much his dar is going to acknowledge. Oh, she let my father have a proper burial. Why not give this person a proper burial? Or if he is still very very much stuck in that mindset of these people aren't worthy. It seems that he's a pretty reasonable or liberal uh of the of the upper class he's also very young which also kind of goes hand in hand with you know they're more they're not as if he was 40 years old then he might have been like you know fuck all the slaves and who Mm. cares or he might be a son of a harpy himself sure he still might be a son of harpy who knows could be yeah anyway then we go to miss sandy who uh talks to gray worm as they're preparing for I, I don't know, to go find the Sons of the Harpy, I guess. I thought, yeah. And mounting up. Yeah, and I, I love the set here. I like the whole, you know, just seeing this side of the Unsullied, that they're just this heavily militaristic order, and they're taking their preparations and taking care of their armor seriously. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it gives a small sense of the scale of, because like, I was just thinking, like, man, what it takes to feed this army and keep them equipped and keep them uh, uh, sharp and on edge, it's impressive. Definitely. Um, so she asks why the Unsullied would go to a brothel, and he says that he has no idea. Do you buy that he has no idea? Yeah, uh, no, I don't. Um, okay. I'm, uh, because if many of the Unsullied are doing this, he's got to have some idea. And also, just the way he looks at uh, Miss Sandy, it seems like he's got something going on there. I don't yeah. know what. I don't know what. Maybe uh, s- still some stones, no pillar. Is that, what you, is that what you're saying? Well, you know, so did you, were, were you kind of excited to see? I was, yeah. I was like, oh, I was going like, to take his pants off. What's going to happen? What kind of freaky CG uh-huh. slash prosthetics are we going to see? Is it just going to be like a Ken doll down there? What What's the deal? And they neatly dodged that yeah, issue. H- HBO seems to have a problem showing dongs, right? Right? I mean, they'll show full frontal on a woman. They will definitely not show full frontal on a man. What? Sometimes they do. Like not in this show. You can get, uh, you you can show Hodor's dong all you want. Oh, that's right. But it's that's like right. They did show Hodor's dong. But that was. I don't uh, know why they're so shy about it, especially in the Loris uh, right. lover scene. The actor who plays Hodor claimed that was a prosthetic number one, and it was played <laughs> for comedic effect. So it's like, you can only show, that seems like, you know, you go back to... You can only uh, laugh at dicks. Walk hard, the Dewey, whatever story. It's like, yeah, you can yeah, only yeah. show a dick on screen if it's funny. Uh-huh. I, I don't really get that. Uh, I'm not advocating for more dick because, like, you know, sure. I've seen one every day of my life. It's, it's, it's yeah. not that great. 
But it just seems it's, it's if a gonna weird have, double standard. If you're gonna have tits and minge flapping everywhere, yeah. you should throw it. You should throw a dong in there. I'm with you. Every once in a while, make the ladies happy. You know who else would like that? I, Jon Snow. I think Jon Snow would like more dong in the Game of Thrones universe. Would he? I I don't know. I don't know. But he would definitely like to teach this arrow kid how to fight. I don't know this kid's name. What is this kid's name? I have no idea. He's the villager that was the sole survivor of the Thin Massacre from last year. Sure. He's leg plant, arrow nod kid. Do you think, because the way I read this scene is Jon Snow being, getting wrapped up in kind of irrational anger at this kid for killing. Okay, I can see that. His yeah. girl. Yeah, he, and did, then he, he kind seemed of, a little bummed by that. He kind of got the better of it halfway through and realized like oh this is a kid he didn't know he was doing his job and then he went in all like you know big brother tassel hair mode or was i just inventing i I mean i don't know that he went into tassel hair mode but he did you know he told him he was going to ring his bell that was at the end when he let his head down but in friendly mode i just thought that he was going pretty hard to get it first okay yeah i I thought through most of that scene he was um all right but then uh, Alistair walks through, he's glaring at everyone, including Gilly, who, you know, he, he despises, he doesn't like the wildlings at all. No. And for, I, I think, fair reason, they just attacked him not he doesn't, too long He ago. doesn't like Sam. That's so, true. He doesn't, he doesn't really like anybody. He doesn't, yeah, I mean, to him, this brotherhood is just a pack of thieves and murderers and rapists, and yeah. which, largely true. <laughs> Uh, but you got me there, Alistair. <laughs> <laughs> but he thinks he doesn't respect them. He thinks they're they're something that need to be a, a firm hand. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Sam is talking to Gilly. He says, you know, he's he's not going to let them send her away. He's going to go with her. And then she reminds him, "Oh, but they'll kill you." And he's like, "Hmm, hmm. Didn't think about that. You might be right." <laughs> sure. And they also mentioned he's he's, a, he's at the rock in a hard place level, right? Here. And they did a lot of clever establishing of the of the uh, you know Castle Black politics mm-hmm. that there is going to be a Lord Commander election, and obviously Alistair is is at the top of that list. But uh, the commander of, of the like Shadow Tower, which is mm-hmm. one of the towers, I believe, on the the extreme west side of uh, the wall. The, the there's basically three castles. There's the Castle Black in the middle, and then there's the East Watch by the Bay, and then there's the Shadow Tower, and I can't remember which is the East Coast and which is the West Coast one. But he's the Lord Commander of that tower, and he's thrown his hat in the ring as well. Okay. Uh, Obviously, it seems like things will go badly for Sam and Gilly if Alistair takes uh, command. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I'd like to see Jon Snow take command, but I don't think he's going to. I like Sam's note that he's the only, he's probably the only black brother in history that's killed both a thin and a white walker. So he's a little, little full of himself. But he's also got he a point. He doesn't sound like he's full of himself, necessarily. No. He sounds like he's playing it up. He's trying to... Making a joke, almost. Yeah. Like, I'm a great warrior. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but he's, I don't think he believes it. It's all natural talent. It's on loan from God. He He's just worried if he... You know, he doesn't want to overtrain. He doesn't want to train that yeah. natural instincts out. I can't blame him. <laughs> uh, Melisandre comes to John and says, the king wants to see him. And on the way up the wall, things get creepy, <laughs> as they tend to do with Melisandre. Sure. Uh, she asks John if he's a virgin. He says no, and she says good. Good. Which, that question has to be some form of Castle Black HIPAA violation, right? Easily, You yes. can't ask your, the sexual history of the Black Brothers. There's no, there's no way. You know, I think the person enforcing those policies died a long time ago. 
Uh, got it probably some an giant bashed his, his head in last mm-hmm. yeah so uh, the he HR... was the guy who got shot off the wall <laughs> by the giant's arrow the the hr order of the the black brothers just was decimated decimated yep uh anyway i this can't go anywhere good i don't know why she's asking this and we're not supposed to i don't think as book reader or not non-book readers i i just know it can't go anywhere good i mean she's been looking for noble blood the entire time noble blood and i don't i try to do some searching about if there was some special potent power to virgin blood as well so like okay if, but she seems not to want virgin blood she wants the non-virgin blood of john snow well it depends on how you take that because uh if she says good because you know non-virgin blood is extra good and that's bad for john if she's kind of observing riley good well then i'm then i'm not going to be tempted to kill you like i felt like that you could take it that way as well <laughs> Like hmm. I, I kind of like you, Jon Snow. I'm glad you're not a virgin, so your extra tasty virgin blood is going to be useless for my sacrifice. I, interesting. I don't know. And okay. then she also the way she uses the king's blood is different. Like she, she pokes Stannis and makes a shadow baby. She, yeah, uh, pokes uh, Gendry and ends up killing like three out of the four kings she targets. Mm-hmm. So that seemed like more effective than the shadow baby. However, that worked out, but. Then again, that might have been charlatanism. Uh, also, the other thing in this scene is she doesn't get cold. Mm. Ever? Ever, I guess. You know, the fire of some demon or something is burning inside of her, as she says. Uh, There's always... I don't know what this means. Uh, man, I, I'm always on the edge. It could mean literally anything. I'm always on the edge of trying to figure out exactly where the real magic ends and the bullshit and chicanery begins. Sure. You know, so like, you know, yeah, she was super impressed with uh, the priest being able to bring back uh, Beric Dondarrion from life last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, seemed shocked at that display. I don't know what he would see, what he would think if some skeletal ghoul crawled out of her vagina. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it, it's interesting that like they're kind of everyone's re-exploring their powers. So I tend to think that this is not her bullshitting because she's wearing a very thin silk red dress and it seemed like you'd freeze your ass off at the wall. Yeah, I would think so. Um, and she's not, but I don't, that's kind of an interesting superpower. Like speaking of ghouls, as far as handing out superpowers, that's like one you get, that's, that's a last pick, right? Yeah. I mean, never being cold. She's kind of the, the mirror image of Daenerys, I guess. Right. Sure. I have that superpower. I'm fat and hairy, you know, (laughs) it's done, done. Superpower. Uh (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) It's not not, not would, exactly yeah. a, a prize. Well, you're you're framing it positively. I like that. <laughs> uh, the the other thing, speaking of ghouls, that we haven't seen anything of is the mountain. Mm. What is going on with the mountain? Because last I remember, they were trying to pump him full of demon's blood or some shit. Yeah, and bring him back from his probably fatal wounds. Yeah, from this poison, I guess that was yeah. Kyburn, on... the uh, disgraced meister, was uh, yeah doing some work on him. So he might be a ghoul. Right. Next time we see him. That's very mildly interesting. I hope, I hope they get back to him, because that would be awesome. Uh, on the top of the wall, Stannis tells John that he wants Mance to join his cause. Spectacular and, shot, by the way. Yeah, up up the wall, and yeah. then all of it is outstanding. You can that, That's what I'm saying. Like You compare that to season two, or maybe season three, where John and... Uh, shit, what's uh, the, the wildling girl... Uh, Egret? Egret, yeah, made yeah. it to the top of the wall and how kind of weird fakey that looked. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you compare that with this. It's just, 
again, really, really uh, mastery of, of CGI and compositing they've got going on here. Oh, yeah. Um, he, he wants Mance to join him, and he's willing to give him land in the north if they, if they help him take it back from Roose Bolton. And John says it's not likely, and he's, he's right by the end of this, but he has until nightfall to convince him. How can you not like Stannis when he says things like, I shall mount Roose Bolton's head on a spike? I like him more already. I mean, he's, he's he dispenses rough justice, but when the mm. target of the rough justice is is uh, worthy, it uh, I, I like I said I I really enjoy Stannis's character, and I like everything that they're doing with him and John thus far. I would like Stannis if he wasn't making decisions that Melisandre wants him to make. If he wasn't being led around by her, I. I instinctively don't like her because I don't know her rules, for one. What, what the fuck can she or can't she do? She got the stench do? of magic on her. She does. That fantasy bullshit does not fly with me. So, like, dragons are one thing. Dragons I can get. Like, they shoot fire and they fly. Boom. That's a dragon. Okay. Uh, Melisandre, I don't even know. I don't sure. even know where to start. And so I don't like her because of that. And by extension, I don't like Stannis because he is being manipulated by the magic. And mm-hmm. I... I understand it's not his fault, but yeah. it instinctively makes me not like him either. And he also has got a pragmatic view of this, too. Mm-hmm. Like, I think he's kind of deeply skeptical about this one true God. But on the other hand, shadow babies, burning <laughs> leeches. Sure. There's something to it. Yeah. So it's uh, it's a little bit more forgivable uh, for my uh, looking at things. What did you make of the debates of his relative popularity amongst the Brotherhood? Whose relative popularity? Uh they they talk about how John is uh, much loved by many of the brothers, but oh, he's yeah. also not loved by many others. And John seems to kind of take all this in stride. Yeah, this is just feeding my theory or my hope that John will take over the Brotherhood. Right on. Take uh, over his leader. What did you think of the deal that Stannis offered the Free Folk? I thought it was... It's a good deal. Yeah. That's exactly what they want. Yeah. Well... Like even if he gets him a whole, it he, might be what they want. It's definitely not what Mance wants. Um, yeah, we'll get to that later. But just on the surface, it, it, like, yeah, we will. Even if he gives him some shithole tracks of land in the yeah. north, some some swampy bullshit. That's still so much better than where they're coming from, and also it has a virtue of being on the other side of a seven hundred foot high wall against the White Walkers. Yeah, and the forces of winter in general. So I, I. I I think it did a good job of making his offer really good and making some genuine drama between Mance and 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 Jon Snow at the end. Because I see I, this from all sides, and it's hard to say who's yeah, right and who's wrong. Definitely. Um, I When he made that offer, it had me thinking, okay, this is exactly what Mance has said he wants for his people and what they want and the reason they're fighting. That seems like a really good carrot. Sure. And yeah, like I said, I, I want to talk about that a lot when we get to that scene. Okay. Let's go to Robin first. He's getting <laughs> his ass kicked and more, combat more, more comedy outlet. Yep. The show does a lot of that, and I appreciate it. Ah, the sweet Robin. His training, which involves getting beat up by a larger boy <laughs> at the wooden sword. Yeah, and Littlefinger looks at all this and he says, "Yeah, I have, I have great confidence in his abilities. They'll mm-hmm. grow." I gotta say, I'm, <laughs> I, I respect the uh, Robin just a little bit more. Because even doing this, I imagine we'd see him just on the ground sucking his thumb, crying. Yeah, yeah. He's gamely keeping his sword and his shield up. I mean, 
He's a less capable version of the little villager kid that John was beating the hell out of. But still, throughout the whole scene where you hear him just grunting and 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 shrieking, it just it's good. It's very good. It's real good. And My- Sans and the idea that Sans is watching that and Littlefinger just it's 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 great oh they're both smiling on the inside for sure i think they're kind of smiling on the outside <laughs> a little but not too much you don't want to give well, too much yeah, away. it's not ladylike sure yeah and it's not very little finger like either um question for you mm. <laughs> well no okay it's it's not really a question um well i'll be sure to have not really an answer so how how far it doesn't seem to me like Robin has any power to say, I'm not going to do this. You're going out the moon door anymore. Hmm, yeah, yeah. Littlefinger has taken over. He's the, I I, think the like Lord Protector. He's he's what uh, Catelyn's sister was. Or he's kind of, he's essentially in the same position on a smaller scale that Cersei is. She's the queen yeah, regent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she has no real power. She's but But she has the power until her son comes of age. It's the same thing. He's like the Lord Protector of the Vale, so he has the power, but, you know, this goes back to various meditation on what is power. Sure. So, like, all like John, all these people have the power that they're more, the, the actual guys with army and arms gives them to him, and it seems like that, that uh, Peter's gambit with Sansa is continuing to pay off with the more important Lords of the Vale. So they're I- going along with his, whatever his scheme is. It does. They are. I don't think they're even aware of what a scheme is. Hell, I'm not aware of what a scheme is. You might be. You might be lying, you, I, book, you nasty book reader. <laughs> uh, I certainly am not sure. aware of what his scheme is. But I, I just wonder, can Robin, if he chooses, say, no, I'm not doing this? Uh, no. Once Sansa and Peter get in that wagon, you're already in, like, book six territory. Okay. No, so I have no fucking. That's clue. right. You said this one was pretty far along. Yeah, this plot. I, I I have no clue where they're going, where they think that Cersei they they can be beyond Cersei's reach, any of that stuff. I think maybe who, across the narrow sea. Who do you think? What that's this message that Peter gets? Yeah, uh, why he's watching uh, Sweet Robin get the hell beat out of him with uh, Lord Royce. Do you have any theories about who that is or what it's from or what it's about? Not who it is. I, I assume it's your carriage awaits sort of deal. Oh, something more like mundane just saying, like that. Yeah, just saying, hey, we're ready to go. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I Either feel that like or it, it could be word back from someone he contacted who was going about to put a them safe up. harbor. Yeah. And obviously he lied about, which was can't, you know, that's cutting of him. That He's going back to the fingers, which is a little shithole mm-hmm. holdings in the veil. Yeah, and he's he's going the opposite direction, so that's cool. But I I, I have no idea. I mean, yeah, I wonder when word catches up to yeah. him. We have some feedback speculation that seems legit, and I don't really have any fear. I'm a little bit afraid with the four episodes out. That's been made the mailbag oh, a lot yeah. trickier. I'm, there's a couple things that uh, I kind of aired in a, on the side of not reading because I already have enough problem with book readers pretending not to be book readers to score sweet internet prediction points, right? Like with the purple wedding and the red, all that stuff. It's like, you know, now that I've got three episodes that I haven't seen that are floating around here, it's like, ah, this, this looks a little too (laughs) on the nose, not going to read it. Sure. But it's hard for you to tell because you haven't seen them. I know. I I tell like it is hell. All right. Moving on. There's three more episodes released. It'd be the, it'd be seven hells, but it's only four. So we, we go to Brienne who is lamenting the failure of her mission and the loss of all the good lords, and she tells Podrick that he should leave. Yeah. 
That's yeah. roughly the whole scene. I mean, that is, you know, Podrick protests, and I don't know that he actually leaves in the end. I don't think he's going to. Podrick is too loyal for that, even if she doesn't want him there. She didn't want him there to begin with. Yep. So why would he leave now? I, I, I don't know. Unless she, like, really just threatens to cut his head off or something. Right. But that's not in Brienne's character. No, and I'm, I'm, I'm engaged in here, too, because we're getting towards the end. And not only are we getting kind of towards the end of uh, Brienne's story in the books, but also they're remixing... It seems like what little there is. So I have I I have no idea what she's going to do. I mean, the, well, well, the he, clear choice is to continue to pursue Sansa, which I thought to me we talked about this in Instant Cast, where to yeah. me it's it was still on the cute side of being too cute, mm-hmm. uh, the near miss with uh, Littlefinger. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't yeah, know. if if they didn't have to go inside this carriage. They wouldn't even have cut this shot, I don't right, think. Right, right. Just been one continuous thing. I always assumed as a book reader that they were somehow going to bring Jamie and Brienne in each other's sphere of influence again. That'd because be cool. he's the one that gave her a mission and a sword and armor and all that. But and they're kind of in love at this point, right? I've always thought so. I mean, that's a. That's... I mean, there's the thing at Joffrey's wedding where. I don't know, he's looking at her and. Yeah. I think it was Joffrey's wedding. That's always, you know, something that's, like that that, that's something I've on. always kind of shipped myself, that yeah, I've yeah, always yeah. liked them together as a couple, and they're like an odd couple, sure, but it seems like it's right, but... Like, she might make an honest man out of him. Yeah. Maybe. Just yeah. maybe. But I don't know where Jamie, I don't know what Jamie's going to be up to, and I don't know where she's going to be up to, so I, I don't know. Yeah. It's all up in the air. It uh, is. The other suggestion here is from Podrick himself. He says, hey, Castle Black isn't too far away. Is she considering, is he suggesting that she go up there because she has nowhere else to go? She's kind of on the run herself now at this point, isn't she? What would she? they do with her? Like a black sister? I don't know. Are you thinking that or maybe to go interview Jon Snow? No, no, and... no. I was thinking joining the Night's Watch. Oh, because I thought that he was like saying, well, that's a lead. You know, it's we we know that's one of where one of her brothers are at. Maybe he can provide us some clue. It's better than just writing the seven kingdoms until we've randomly bump into her. It's a big place. Which, if Pod only knew, (laughs) that that strategy was almost to pay off, you know? Indeed. Uh, Yeah, yeah, you're probably right there. She would go up there and ask John about it. I think it'd also be interesting to have, uh, like, this black sister Mm -hmm. type aspect. You know, and uh, we know the state of the Brotherhood. They're Mm -hmm. very, they were already slim numbers, and they were decimated. Yeah. recently so they couldn't be turning people away on uh sexual assignment at birth i don't think Can, i don't i don't know why there are no women in there what are the rules I, of the night's watch i don't think they've ever explicitly stated that like okay are women not condemned to death in westeros because it seems like a man can always no matter what yeah, I don't know. Take the black, and that's exactly. that's a get out of death free card. I don't know if women do people just... only do that, or are there people who decide I'm going to go join the Night's Watch? No, oh sure. Like uh, traditionally, a lot of uh, second and third sons of like no, uh, especially northern uh, lords that who was... are in line for nothing. Yeah, it's like <laughs> that's well, I can't really do anything but ride tourneys and bullshit. So I'm going to make yeah. my you know when when the wall was still seen as kind of an honorable, prestigious post mm-hmm. um and a little bit of that you can see echoing through john snow and yeah. obviously his uncle mm-hmm. uh took that path that we okay. haven't seen since season one but no i yeah i i would think that would be pr- kind of a cool direction to take her with yeah she could be the uh the lord commander's hand 
Like that would be an interesting position for. She, I imagine she'd be like the second best fighter maybe the first best fighter i don't know how good john snow is necessarily i I don't know that i've ever seen him really get down too much i feel like he went against uh the guy with the double knives sure um but he got his ass legend of jen he almost got killed and if not no i think brian would kick his ass in okay kick his ass (laughs) i think so too totally He, he talks about oh you go when you're fighting a wildling you've got to disarm them because or whatever first, oh, first of all john would would he'd be an asshole and he'd be pulling his punches against the girl ah of course, uh, yeah. and before it's too late his it's ass would already be between his ears and it would yep. be all over <laughs> i mean because she's ass between his ears wow. yeah that's how hard it would be kicked i damn plus i mean she just got they both have valerian steel so that equals out and then she just has decisive size and reach advantages on him certainly i mean she granted the hound was ill but she fought one of the best killers in the 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 seven kingdoms to well she won she didn't fight him to a standstill she just flat out won yeah kicked him off a cliff sent him on his way all right Littlefinger and sansa head west and they go to what Littlefinger calls a land so far from here even cersei lannister can't get her hands on you it's got to be across the sea, right? We got some feedback on this. I know one person suggested, what if he's talking north of the wall? Oh, my God. Because that's the that's thing. That's the like, last place. Across the narrow sea is not exactly out of Cersei's grasp. King Robert was able to send an assassin to get uh, Khaleesi. True. So, yeah. you know, if bitch needs to get got. It seems like that's not going to do it. So I, I don't know. I don't know where you could send them. I, mean, I think North of the Wall would do it, it but seems that like, seems like a death wish. It seems, you know, we talked about this last year, that Dorne is now, you could consider, a hostile nation. Uh, since they didn't like the Lannisters too much, and now they've killed, uh, the I guess, the second line to the to the, the throne. Yeah. Uh, so that can't be good. Uh, maybe he's got some kind of backdoor alliance that he could ship Sansa down there. I don't know if that'd be interesting. She could hang out with Marcella. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. I don't know. It's kind of thrilling. I don't know. <laughs> sure. It's it's up in the air. Uh, Cersei spies Marjorie making time with the new king. Doesn't like it much. Lancel comes to see her, and he has apparently joined a religious group called the Sparrows. Mm-hmm. And he wants... I guess he wants Cersei to join here. I don't know. He's He's here for dubious reasons, in my opinion. Like, when he goes to talk to her... It seems to me that he is just there to lay out plot. That's mostly to lay out plot. You know, the Robert Baratheon stuff. That's not an unreasonable but uh, I don't like interpretation. That. I don't want scenes to be about plot. The character needs a reason for being there. And I felt like it was a flimsy reason at best, which was to try to recruit Cersei for the Sparrows. No, I don't think that. That's the thing. Why go there to her that, it was his, It's a family funeral. Mm-hmm. And he went and like, you know, religious fanatics do. They can't shut up about their god. So, so or he goes, gods in this case. He goes to her once. He's shut down by, what, his dad or something? That's his dad. Okay. He, Which we've met before. Kevin Lannister was yeah. one of Tywin's right-hand men. men. Okay. Uh, and we've seen him kind of be shut down by Tywin in council meetings, like two seasons running. But he's not ever How been is a he major related? character. Like a cousin or he's something? He's the brother of Tywin. Oh, okay. So he's the uncle of uh, Cersei and Jaime. Okay. Uh, but but he shuts down the conversation there and is like, yes. go away. The Sparrow shit is dumb. Right. Uh, but then he comes back to Cersei later on and just expounds on a whole bunch of plot stuff. Well, I don't know. I think that, you know, if you have to introduce a new faction, doing it through a pre-existing character is not bad. 
and uh, sure, and I, also I like it sets up the stakes of like you know it could someone like Cersei be redeemed? What would her redemption look like? She'd have to cut off all her hair, yeah, get into some kind of tattered robe, sure, and act like a monk. Mm-hmm. That's what she's got to do. Call herself a sparrow and get swole because apparently yeah. some things the sparrows do is they worship at the Iron Church. Because damn, Lancel, uh-huh. uh, someone needs to fetch a chest plate stretcher for him because he's not going to fit in his old one. Uh, he <laughs> is. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what to feed them down there, but uh, it's it's not bad. It's not bad. So we talked about this a little bit in the instant cast. Uh, about the stuff that he says in this scene, the stuff he insinuates and implies mm-hmm. uh, about Robert Baratheon, uh, his death not being accidental, but being, you know, either planned or helped along sure. by uh, Lancel. It was a scheme of some sort. It was, and it was, I, even though she denies it, obviously perpetrated by Cersei herself. Sure. Why else does this guy come to her and tell her these things? Sure. Uh, and say it in such a cryptic, you know, I can't believe we did this sort of way. Sure. Uh, I can't imagine that the Sparrows are not going to heavily factor into this plot going forward. The plot for the throne. That's, that, I can't imagine. Why introduce them this late in the game unless they're important? Uh, I can only say two words that rhyme with biled Pinterest. Uh, yeah, sure. Why not? All right. Then let's move on. Uh, Loris and his lover are getting down when Marjorie comes in and tells him that the king is waiting on him. And she says he shouldn't be so so conspicuous with his sexuality. He's like, yeah, whatever. What are they going to do to me? Mm-hmm. And Loras tells her that she's kind of trapped here with Cersei as her mother for, for the time being. And she says, perhaps, perhaps, maybe that's the way it'll go. I think she has plans to get Cersei out of the way. If I, if I were Lancel and I were talking about something, that's how I would say it. Interestingly enough, I thought that this revealed that uh, Loras was largely ignorant of all the machinations. Uh, yeah, I would say so. Because he wouldn't be like, perhaps, what could you ever be talking about, sister, if he was privy to the like, necklace stuff, Lady Olena and all that stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I-, I think they're Which, keeping him in the dark. I like the for fact various that reasons. it seems like the theme that the Tyrells are essentially a matriarchy. Yeah, uh, a behind-the-scenes matriarchy, and they all just think the men are stupid. And Marjorie and says, "Clear contempt for brothers." Like Jesus Christ, I get it, I get it. Uh, but do you have to be so brazen about it in the capital? That's the thing. I I don't think this guy understands. No, he doesn't. His a his position and the importance of that, and what kind of hell is going to come down on him when they find out about this stuff? Sure. I mean, he's ambitious in his own way because he's the one that kind of pushed Rinley into his own little rebellion and but he's okay. also stupid to think that that guy could could beat Stannis or the or the Lannisters straight up so yeah which i don't know maybe that's only foolish in hindsight no the women in this family definitely seem to be smarter sure than this guy anyway uh Tyrion continues to drink we're back in <laughs> uh Pintos is that what you called it yep yeah uh, Varys convinces Tyrion that he needs to travel to Marine to meet up with Daenerys to see, you know, if the world can be saved. Varys very much thinks that Daenerys is the only person uh, for the job, and it makes sense with the stuff that they let on about with the uh, the group of people trying to reestablish Targaryen rule. We also get a title shout out because men of town have a part mm. to play in the war 
Z to come. He forgot the S, but you know, no. not everybody's perfect. Well, his is one of the wars. There are many more. Sure. Uh, there's a war against the the people of the North, the winter itself. I mean, there's there's plenty of wars. That's the fight. thing. Like everyone down south, uh, or as uh, um, Mance puts it, the Southron kings, uh, they're all concerned about the war for the Iron Throne. Yeah. They have no idea about, and they're largely ignorant and sometimes willfully so about the threat of the White Walkers. That's mm-hmm. just all a bunch of bullshit, uh, foolhardy superstition to them. Yeah, I can see why. So there's at least two wars. They're very far away from it. Sure. And it's been a very long time since it happened. Uh, so my my thing here is um, Tyrion meeting up with Daenerys. I kind of love this. Sure. I kind of think she needs someone really smart. I'll throw Varys into that. Really connected. Yeah. I like, well. I've always liked Varys better than Littlefinger, mostly because Littlefinger just seems evil. <laughs> and Varys, uh, man, I don't know. There's... I've always had a hard time pinning his exact motivations for why he does stuff, but he always, I mean, he talks a good game. It's always for the realm, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I like, I don't know which side you like. Are you a Tyrion pessimist that you think the world is just shit? And it's always going to be shit and always will be shit because that's the nature of the weak versus the strong. Uh-huh. Or do you feel like, you know, Varys, that we should have a chance of peace and prosperity and justice that, We've grown so used to horror, we just can't imagine another way, which, I, by the way, I'm pretty sure that's going to be someone's campaign motto for 2016. Yes. Look at the horror. Let's try <laughs> something else. Uh, yeah. No, I like Varys' outlook much better than Tyrion's. Sure. Tyrion has his reasons for looking at the world this way. Uh, you know, part of which is being born a dwarf. That has certainly uh, affected his life in big ways. What do you think of his interest level? of working, actually working for a power, his own power, and playing a key role in bringing about about a just, merciful rule over Westeros. He doesn't seem all that interested at the moment. He seems more interested in drinking himself to death on the road to Marine. <laughs> I don't know. I thought that last comment where he said, can I drink myself to death on yeah. the road to Marine showed that, like, I'm. Li- it's kind of like I'm listening. It is. He definitely is willing to at least go. It's that, I just don't feel like he's totally on board with the plan yet because he doesn't see the hope in it. That. So it's like, I, I think it's going to be interesting when, uh, because in the books they they've, they are yet to have met. So we're okay. rapidly advancing past that. Wow. I think it's going to be interesting what Tyrion makes of her when he finally gets there. And that's going to be largely shaped on, you know, Danny's kind of standing on a knife's edge, whether she's going to continue being the largely benevolent, benevolent force for good or fall off and become, you know, a dark queen kind of type character. And all I want is Tyrion riding a dragon like a tray from NeverEnding Story. That's all I want. <laughs> Just have him surf that dragon into King's Landing. I'm back, bitches. Uh, ghost riding the dragon. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay, sure. Why not? Uh, the, the other thing this scene does that I thought was kind of cool is it puts into perspective... You remember that scene? I think it was from last season where... Um, I think it's Jamie. No, somebody asks him what he wants. They're in the, the King's throne room. The king is not there. Uh, and Varys looks up at the throne and just kind of nods a, a slight bit. And we were like, well, Varys can't really be king. He's mm-hmm. not He's not nobility, I don't think. Um, what does he have invested in capturing the throne? And now it seems like all the stuff with the Targaryens makes sense. Mm-hmm. He's a Targaryen loyalist. 
Yeah. Like they had been planting those seeds for a long time. We just couldn't get the proper context on it. One thing, because he seems like he's very pro Daenerys. Mm -hmm. However, if you think back to season one, he also was instrumental in carrying out the plot that would have killed her had it not been for Jorah's change of heart at the end. Do you, hmm. so that wine, that he, poisonous wine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, it seems like the original plan was to put Viserys on the throne. Nothing, Until he got the golden helmet. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I, I kind of question, I'm saying this because I, I kind of question his uh, judge of character because this is a guy who was going to put Viserys on, who is it? A, a fucking idiot and an asshole and cruel. Yeah. I mean, he, the, the only reason he wasn't Joffrey is because he didn't have the power. Yeah. Right. Seemed uh, like it, but he, you know, he was Cersei's or not Cersei. He's Daenerys's personal Joffrey. He was willing to advance that because so it's like, I, I feel like that there's a little bit of a blind spot for him too. You know, it's like, I think he yeah. would have been inarguably worse than Robert Baratheon. I think so too. Um, so it's like it seemed he, like Robert's biggest sin was just not caring enough about leading these people. I think it's interesting that Varys's scheme looks a lot better on paper because Viserys got killed. Now maybe that was the plan all along. That because there was something about like the way Illyrio handed them off to the Dothraki. That's kind of like good luck dealing with the murderous horse people <laughs> that are all about honor and respect, and you know nothing of those things. Maybe. Yeah, maybe he's extra smart that he knew that. But then why try to kill Danny? Yeah, that doesn't make much sense because it's not like they got together with Jorah and like wink, wink, pretend, but then save her at the last minute. Jorah did that because he fell in love with her. Yeah, so there's a little bit of <sighs> hmm. something that doesn't make sense to me with this plot, and it might just. Be, I wonder if they're going to reveal something that will make it make sense. It could be that Martin and the Double Ds are just saying that the road to good intentions are, or the road to hell is paved the good intentions. Okay. And, and you know, like happy mistakes are just as important as great men doing things. Yeah. Could be. But anyway, I thought that that's kind of interesting for me. All right, let's go to his dar. He comes to Daenerys and asks for the fighting pits to be reopened. She yep. says, no, no, not going to happen. But later that night, a naked Dario makes the case for the fighting pits. Uh, he basically says he liked them because he got famous and he got set free and he met Daenerys. And he also says that she's perceived as weak because she has no dragons to a, a complete non sequitur at the end of that just goes from fighting pits. Oh, by the way, you're not a queen because you don't have dragons. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a non sequitur is in this, in the overall, I'm the one that tells you the truth because I see a naked and okay. on the reg. Yeah. We haven't seen each other presumably because this background here is his dar and, and Dario went, Writing to uh, Yunkai or Runkai, as I like to pronounce it, uh, to fix that whole Butcher King problem that they talked about last. And they set up another, you know, council that's like a mixed, you know, low class, upper class. And the only concession they're wanting is to reopen the fighting pit. So mm -hmm. I felt like this was like it felt like two lovers and confidants catching up after a couple weeks of being out of touch. So it's like uh, I tell you the truth. And another thing, your dragons are busted and this ain't going to work. Okay. So I got that. Now I and yeah. I I thought uh I thought his message to her was less uh well the fighting pits aren't all bad and more you don't understand these people. It's 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 kind of like the perils of being a foreign occupier, right? Like let's say you conquer a people that are 
you know, objectively behind the times or practicing human sacrifice or whatever. It's something you find personally abhorrent. And you go there and you say, all right, you savages, you're going to fucking stop doing all this shit by fiat. That seems like there's a way to it'll blow up in the face of even the people you're trying to save, like even the people that are being human sacrificed. Well, the gods are going to be pissed and our crops will die. And you, yeah, there's only so much you can do to drag a civilization kicking and screaming into a point where you want them to be. I feel like he did not make the point well enough. I felt like this was a very. He was trying this to say was just an anecdote about his life that. But he's saying you're looking at it from this black and white perspective. I am a shade of gray. Look at me. He is. I just have to wonder about the people he's killed in those same fighting pits where he sure. learned to, where he prospered and became famous and met a queen. And are, like, are all the people he's butchered as a second son? You know, they're. What, what would what those people think? say about the fighting pits? Given the chance to answer, sure. Uh, so I. I get what you're saying. It's definitely an example of maybe the way that the people in the pits think. But I think it's naive of him to just assume that his way of viewing it is also the way of everyone else. Right. When all of those people were forced into it. It's not like they had any choice. Well, and also, like, where do you... You can die a death by a thousand paper cuts of, for your ethics and morals. Like, Danny, it's like this old slave comes and, like, I... I can't work anymore because my master says I'm no longer slave, but I can't earn money. And I, yeah. And so she's like, ah, oh, fine, for fuck's sake, I'll make a ruling for this thing. And now they're wanting to open the, the fighting pitch. And she's like, absolutely not. And then Daria's like, but at what point do you make accommodation for the locals? And at what point do you say, no, no, I cannot stomach this. This is a bridge too far. And she's so young and inexperienced. This is why I like Tyrion getting there. Because who does she have by her side now? Barristan the old Selmy? fucking he's yeah. not nothing but he's not but a he's head not, of state he's not a smart guy he's a warrior seem, yeah he's, he's a just warrior. a bruiser uh i mean he's got I, the I wisdom of, of seeing different kings and how they rule and that's not nothing but no her, but her advisors is, are essentially a bloodthirsty yes f- pit fighter and it seemed like jorah was the only guy who was giving her advice that was really solid. Then he's a slaver, which he's, that's the sure. other thing. It's like, you know, another thing is like, this is more complicated than you can, than you imagine at times. Mm-hmm. Like, I but don't I, know. I feel like having Tyrion with, I, honestly, I have always felt that Tyrion has, you know, that heart of gold right. sort of deal. He feels for the underdog because he himself is the underdog. Right. Uh, and I feel like he is, I'll stick to it. One of the smartest guys in Westeros. There are right. three of, of those three. He is one. Okay. Uh, Seeing him connect with someone who has leadership uh, ability beyond what he can provide, uh, yeah. who already has an army, who already has the loyalty of all these people because she set them free, mm-hmm. I think that's going to be a a combination to be reckoned with. Uh, yeah, and I th- I think it's interesting about Danny is she's a lot of like early seasons Rick Grimes. Like you want her to be this awesome leader, but she's got to learn and make some mistakes, yeah. and you're not going to always be happy with what she does. And where she ends up, who knows? But I think uh-huh. it's it's interesting that there's several heroes that we kind of think would do like you know I, I, I Tyrion should be the hand of the king always yeah should be his for life like Danny should get her shit together and go take over the Iron Throne or maybe yeah. John maybe John should there would be some horseshit way for him Gee, to how get, would he even get a that's army. what I'm saying but like you know we're, he could he could kill Stannis take his army and then there's I'd like the dark side with Arya where it's like yeah I don't see her sitting iron throne but I see her killing some dudes that need to be killed yeah everyone's got their part to play and that's what's cool about this show agreed 
Uh, Daenerys goes to see her dragons. Oh, by the way, that scene, someone should get an Emmy for the cock hiding. Like that sequence <laughs> of him pouring wine <laughs> and a table placement and a pivot and uh-huh. just, I just slow. <laughs> way, way to go. Way to go. You saved yeah. this from a, a penis, Michael Slovis. Masterful. Uh, Daenerys goes to see her dragons. They snap at her. They shoot fire in her face. Well, not actually in her face. Right. And then she, she runs out scared. Although, I argue that the mother of dragons would not be phased by fire to the face. How so? She survived fire before. She burnt in that, that hut or whatever when she was ba- back in season two, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, that thing burnt to the ground. She comes out completely naked with her fucking dragon eggs. Not a problem. Uh, yeah. I think being the mother of dragons means fire doesn't hurt her. That's a that's a common theory amongst book readers. That's just a theory. I feel like it was shown to well, us. Well, the thing here's the thing: is muddy in the waters. I, I I'm I fuck it. I'm gonna say it. Martin's come out and said that was like a one time blood magic deal. That's not oh, like a blood tar- magic. Yeah. Well, excuse me. I forgot about the blood magic. Yeah. So it's like <laughs> that's not been established or unestablished in the books, which is why it's a theory. But like the word of okay. God. Mm-hmm. But. I feel like, of course, the shows are different. And what they am made, I to think? What am I to think? Here's the thing: they Walter. made a big deal about her being in scalding water and handling hot dragon eggs and all this other shit. So, they like did. in the in the series, maybe she is fireproof. Does she know she's fireproof? That's the important question. She's gotta. And let me ask you this: Were the dragons actually attacking her, or if, were they if, all like? If I woke up in the morning and mm-hmm. my apartment had burnt to the ground around me, yeah. Uh, and I was completely unscathed, yeah. not a scorch, nothing. I would think I was fireproof, and I would test it. <laughs> I would put my hand on a candle, and I would see what happened. And then you just burst into flame. Maybe so, but I would at least kerosene. test it, and I would at least try to figure sure. out if that was true. I got to assume that she knows that she is. Okay. Everything that's been shown to me says she's fireproof. All right. I'm not arguing with you. Okay. Uh, can I ask you whether you think the dragons were actually hostile to her or they were excited to see her and she misinterpreted? Because you're right. They could have just straight up roasted her. Yeah. Now, it did snap in her face out of the dragon, which I got to say, this was a really tense scene because I... It was. Like, I didn't imagine they would kill her, but they f- filmed this like it's a monster. You know, this chain slowly rattling and all that. It's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, big do- dogs do that. They kind of nip, and especially if they're poorly trained, which these are, and neglected. I don't know that they hate her. I think they were just, they're confused. And I'm with they you. were happy to see her, and now they're even more confused. And Danny just doesn't know, does not know what the hell she's doing. I think you're right. She just got scared out of that situation because she misunderstood it. Yeah, the the art of dragon riding and dragon taming has been lost. Mm-hmm. There is no real living person with yeah. with some exceptions I can maybe think of that has any kind of direct experience with how this shit should be done. Tyrion apparently, will figure it out. Apparently the Targaryens didn't write that stuff down or, or broadly disseminate it outside their inner circles because who gives the nuclear launch codes away to people, you know? <laughs> Here, how to train your dragon. <laughs> when you've yes, yes. That all <laughs> copies of those DVDs were burnt. Yep. By Balerion the Black Dread himself. They just piled them up, and there's there, there's the plastic throne. It's not nearly as impressive. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> John tries to convince Mance to join Stannis, but he refuses, and I realize that is a simplification of this scene. But let's talk about it. What do you think Mance actually wants? Why does he turn John's offer down here? So I've been thinking Stannis about this a offer. lot, because this goes down differently in the books. Um hmm. 
in a whole in a whole bunch of ways. So it's like I feel like I can, and it doesn't really. It's, it's not germane to any kind of spoilers. I've been thinking about this a lot. So you you've got his personal pride and honor, which he says versus, is not a factor, versus fighting for foreign wars. Which is a, a a big deal because the thing with that, it's like, yes, this sounds like a good deal. Mm-hmm. I go south of the wall. I help you kick these people's ass and then we get set up. But where does it end? Yeah, and A, is, is the, he lying? When the next time a, a threat to the Iron Throne, are we going to be called up to bleed again? And the yeah. next time and the next time, like buying into your old bullshit. These people follow me because they all want to follow me and they all believe in me. You go down there, we have to fight. Once we live by your rules, we have to fight. Whenever you guys say it is, or that's whenever you guys say we have to, that's the thing of being part of you know the kingdoms. But on the other hand, uh, it with a near certain death with winter coming on the wrong side of the wall and the White Walkers, you still kind of got to take that deal. So I'm wondering if he's seeing this as like I can't make this sacrifice or I can't kneel because it would destroy the alliance. But maybe if I'm martyred. Someone else, like you know, some some big red bearded dude, oh, or, who, who should have died last season after being shot with fourteen <laughs> arrows. May, maybe somebody can pick up the pieces and lead, and you know, they can they can be the one to kneel. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to sacrifice myself literally to give someone else a chance to you know because because basically the pride of the free peoples has been kind of appeased. Like, I'm going to be this, their strong character, and then they can rally behind my memory with someone else who could kneel. Because he can make the argument, we can all die one by one at his fucking stake, or we can roll the dice with this guy. In a way that, if Mance tried to make that, it just seemed like he's being cowardly. Okay, that's reading into it, I, I guess, more than I was going to. The The way I saw it was that this is a man who has fought purely for the freedom of these people, mm-hmm. of, of the, the free peoples, as you call them. Um, I don't know that his plan was, I'm going to be martyred and hopefully someone better will, or someone who can rally these people to go do the thing I refuse to do, will take their place. Um, I I don't necessarily see that, but I, I get it. I just, I felt like it was more about freedom. I, I really expected him burning alive <laughs> to pull a Braveheart yeah. moment. Uh-huh. And just light the room up with freedom. Uh-huh. Uh huh. He, he, he was going to. You could mm. see it in his eyes. I think uh, he, he just, just got start screaming. Shot. No, it was freedom. Okay, it was a welling freedom coming freedom! from him. <laughs> uh, no, I. That's what I thought. Yeah. Like freedom is more important to him than the safety of his people. But play that in your head. If, if he loses his freedom by getting his people south of the wall, he hasn't won them anything. Yes, there's certainly part of that, but I also think that, like, play that in your head if Mance says, all right, people, we're going to bend the knee. Mm-hmm. He's got a ton, like, the, he. it seems certain that a, a fraction, I don't know how large that fraction of the people would be like, this is bullshit, we're marching north and taking our chance with the White Walkers. You're probably right, yeah. Whereas by sacrificing himself and showing them the stark reality, uh, pun not intended, that, that uh, you know, he's given them a chance to to have peace with honor. I don't know, but it does. Maybe, it, maybe everything so. he says about this foreign war thing is right on though, because no. yes, it seems like it makes sense this time, but we're also giving up every other chance of autonomy. Yeah. Because once he consolidates his powers on iron throne, if we decide now nah, we're done with you, he's just going to ride up here with his knights and his steel and put us to the sword. Mm-hmm. Cause why, why not? Sure. Why not? 
So he's given one last chance to bend the knee before Stannis, but he refuses. And while he's being burned alive at the, the stake here, John puts an arrow through his heart. Boom. Done. This That's was a great scene, man. Like, uh, I just couldn't believe how horrific this was. Like, yeah. his reaction to it and the way his eye twitched when he said, you're going to be burned alive. Mm-hmm. Not hung or it's whatever. Not the way he wanted to go. I get it. It's a bad way. I gather. And just how the eye contact between him and the Tormund was, and and yeah, what is this guy still doing alive, man? Well, you need. He got shot with a lot of arrows, stuck in a nasty ass dungeon, and he made it through in fucking medieval times. I don't know about that. Master Ammon doesn't fuck around. He's got the poultices and the dragon egg yolk and. <sighs> And the semen virgin. Maybe it was Melisandre. Maybe Melisandre came in and did some black voodoo on him. And, yeah. Uh, Made a shadow band-aid. Yeah. Pulled it right out of her twat. He's going to be Tormund the Ghoul or whatever his <laughs> name is. <laughs> um, I in, And I thought Mance was, like, really awesome about how much he showed respect for Stannis, but also, like, I'm still burning. And John, yeah. I... So, John is just a black brother, who is well-liked by some percentage of the Brotherhood. Yeah. He just defied a king and the king's god. What do you think is going to happen here? What is the blowback? What's the repercussions? You know, I... I... I don't think they're going to straight-up kill John yet. Now, that's not to say it won't happen in the future. I killed Rob right it's at the moment. It's a dangerous thing to say on Game of Thrones. Period. I know, I know, but I, I really, it doesn't. It's feel confirmed. Like, Jon Snow dies next episode. <laughs> it doesn't feel <laughs> like his plot has come to even close to an end. Although I would have said the same about Rob. Yeah. Um. I I just can't or see Ned. you know uh, him being summarily executed next episode for sure. his insolence. But that's kind of a Martin thing. Just when you think yeah. uh, you've got a hero on the verge of snatching victory from defeat. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get burnt at the stake or beheaded in the great Sept of Baylor or stabbed at your wedding. So who knows? True. Uh, I'm just guessing here. Who knows? The other thing, so there was one thing I did not like about this scene, and it is something that has bugged me about this character for a very long time. Uh-huh. Why is Melisandre giving the rallying speech here well, she- for the troops? Uh, she's giving the religious ser- service part of it. It's like he, Stannis was the judge. And he delivered the sentence, and then she came in to do the religious stuff. Uh, I don't like her being the motivating force for these troops. I really don't like it. The king should be doing that. Someone close to the king should be doing that. Not some witch doctor lady from who knows where. Yeah, but Stannis is weird, too, because he's got some of his people are, like, fervent true believers. Is nobody asking, like, who the fuck is this person? Uh, well, I mean, it's, I think those questions all got answered when she killed his maester. I mean, like... No, 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 no. no. I'm not talking to other people, the people she's speaking to. Oh. Like, all, all of the wildlings. Oh, like the wildlings and, like, and all yeah. that, I guess. Like, what? But there's not... There, I, I'm looking at a king. He's right next to me. Why right. isn't he talking? Right. Uh, I don't know. To me, it did, I don't get it, because it didn't seem weird to me at all. I just don't. It's, like it's her. not like I the just king just like stood her. there as an obvious figurehead. He offered the. I mean, it'd been weird to me if Melisandre had offered him the chance to <laughs> kneel. <laughs> totally. And weird, Stannis yeah. is just sitting there, but like him saying, "Like, all right, well, you're going to burn now 
for our master of burning ceremonies. Give it up for Melisandre. I didn't didn't bother well, me. Didn't stick bother to me. what you know, I guess. <laughs> burning Plus, people alive. Stannis doesn't like all this burning shit. This is his this is his wife's deal. But he's letting it happen because he's he's the fucking king, man. He should I be know, doing something but, about it if he doesn't like it. But he but the shadow babies and the shadow leeches, man. That's why. That's and, exactly why I don't like this because that you can just wipe it all away by saying shadow babies. And a lot. No, I'm saying is like in a, in that world, it's like this thing. Uh, it's I'm this is real politic, man. I am supporting this because it is working for me. Even if I don't personally believe it. And also a lot of my idiot okay. followers believe it, so I kinda have to. Alright, fine. Stannis is uh The Manus. He's doing a favor for all the people who believe Melisandre. Sure. Yeah. It's a little little dog and pony shadow <laughs> show. Alright, that's it. End of the episode. Hey, this week we are lucky enough to be sponsored by Audible, and you can get a free trial of their service that I'm about to tell you about at audiblepodcast.com slash G O T. Slash got, as in I got a free trial of Audible. I think that stands for Game of Thrones. Oh, oh, well, that makes more sense. Yeah. I thought that was like, man, that's really broad to be using for something <laughs> for us. Uh-huh. Uh, so, you know, they got 180,000 titles, uh, under, uh, uh, works on their, their That's site. gone up since it last is. time. It keeps going up. I think it was like 100,000 when we started, like 150 <laughs> last. It's 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 going up by, by way faster than you can keep up with on reading, which yes. is a good thing. And you know, hopefully, by now, since I said it last week, that you can also get uh, all of the unabridged works of George R. R. Martin, all the Game of Thrones, all that Song of Ice and Fire series, excuse me, in their entirety on Audible. And you know that using the WhisperSync technology, if you like reading on your Kindle and, and you also like listening to Audible, you can do both because the app will keep you synced up. But one of my favorite features, because like I was always slow to adopt audiobooks, because I prefer to read them because I can read so much faster. Hmm. But, and sometimes the narrators read a little slow for my taste. What's really cool about Audible and their apps are that you can adjust the playback speed. And I find that like uh, old Roy reads really, really, really to my taste at like a 1.5x. It's just ah, perfect. Okay. Just perfect. It, 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 he, he reads with alacrity, but it doesn't, doesn't, uh, it's not hard to follow. And it also doesn't chipmunk them out, you know. You kind of expect them to, mm-hmm. but it somehow I don't know whether it does it through clipping or whatever. Just the tempo, no pitch change. Tempo, no pitch change. Yeah. That all about the like, tempo, no pitch. Seems like uh, shadow blood magic. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, but it makes for a superior listening experience, and I can't recommend them enough. They got just a lot of great material. Uh, their app is easy to use, and again, you can get a free trial. Good for any one uh, audio titled in their collection. By going to audiblepodcast.com slash GOT. All right, let's get into some feedback, yeah? I think that's something we do now. Yeah, we'll uh, start with some uh, old business before we get to the new. Uh, Devin from Denver has a theory about why people seem to be fairly even keeled about some of these book deviations that we've seen and and are, are coming down the pike. He says, I think this handling of the story is something that is interesting to look at from a perspective of how we consume media in our society. It marks a turning Mm. point in how we view concepts such as canon. I think this willingness, even if a vast chunk of the reader audience is wary about it, to change and spoil book content is relatively a recent phenomenon. For example, I grew up as a child reading Harry Potter, and I remember being a very grumpy kid as a moviegoer when they would make even the slightest of tweaks or deviation from the original story. I speculate that if everything with the Game of Thrones books and show was happening five or ten years ago instead of today, it would have been an absolute disaster. 
However, and this might sound odd, I think we have the superhero and comic book movie movement in part to thank for this uh, more accepted wiggle room for deviations. The superhero slash comic book culture has absolutely exploded in the last seven years or so since Marvel kicked off their cinematic universe. And at their core, comic books are all about deviation and revision. You take the same characters and mix around their backstory, their situation, put them with a different group of people and see how they react and what they do. We're living in the reboot era of cinema. I think that's one of the reasons why the show is able to get away with making bigger and bigger changes. I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm simply making an observation. Uh, and he also says that as far as whether or not this will end up being an off-season, as Aaron put it, I think that's up to the hive mind of the viewers. We may not notice, but the attitudes of fellow viewers influence our attitudes about the show. As an sure. example, he says he used to enjoy the Watching Dead or the Walking Dead <laughs> until he listened to our podcast. Sorry. And now he's put off of it. Uh, so he says people's attitudes. I still enjoy it. It's still fun to watch. It's just not. But it's high. one of those things where you can enjoy something and then someone peel the curtain back and yeah. suddenly, oh, yeah. God, I see what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says, so if, if book readers get too upset and that discontent steeps. Uh, rubs deeply into the Game of Thrones community as a whole. I can see this being an off-season, not because of the content, which will likely be stellar, but because of the consumer hive mind being brought down a notch by angry book readers. <laughs> so... I think he's mostly right. I think he's most... I don't know... Because his anecdotal experience from personal... Like, I've noticed that I've been more... As the older I get, the more I'm open to things being different. Like as a child, you just have you don't understand the difference between a book and a movie adaptation, and you're more likely to be like, "Well, why couldn't we get uh, Tom Bombadil and Lord of the Rings or whatever?" Whereas you get older, you're like, "Well, because Tom Bombadil is fucking ridiculous. You're gonna have a guy wearing gold hose and blue boots singing." How is that any more ridiculous and, than uh, anything? Not stop <laughs> it. Just stop it before you you have a riot on your hands. Um, but I do think that culturally, yeah, like, and the other thing is, the other thing you're missing this analysis is the percentage of the population who's engaged in the source material versus the percentage that's engaged, you know, like, oh, I've got fond memories of Spider-Man and X-Men and Superman, and I want to see a movie about them. Like, the these comics are selling like 100,000 issues if they're hits. Yeah millions of people worldwide are seeing these things. So you, it's it's much harder where in the back in the day where you were making some genre piece, you're really like, oh, God, I hope we really nail the interview in Fangoria mm-hmm. and uh, Starbase, whatever, St- Starlog, or we're never going to get people to turn out for this shit. That's not true anymore. Yeah. So it's harder for like 5% the the let's let's say that a million people have read game of thrones or maybe it's 2 million that's still like a third of the total audience and if you factor in piracy and all and the dvds and blu-rays it's probably a tenth yeah and we talked about in walking dead like you know you've got people like hundreds of thousands versus millions it's harder for that that small group to be, you know, to, about well, these things. To, to his point, it's hard for them to, yeah, affect the overall tone of right. the conversation because there are just a few of them compared to the people watching the show sure. alone. Yeah, I, but I, I definitely do see communities and what they think of the material affecting what other people think of it. it, it I mean, it, it, it goes happen. both ways, but... And it's certainly an amplifications device in on the internet because definitely you don't have to care a lot about the source material but if your best friend is like oh man 
in this episode they did this, but in the book they did this, and that sounds cooler, then now you are infected with the thought that, that that's better. Whether maybe if it is or not, it's that's a debate. My I feel well, like also the legitimacy of blogs has has kind right. of contributed to this. You know, right. I mean some dude can get all butthurt about the show not matching the books, write a blog post that gets shared around the entire sure. internet a million times, and, on Facebook, and that's suddenly and the prevailing yeah, yeah, feeling yeah, yeah. about the show when it's really only a, a dude in his basement right. worried about that shit. I mean, my thing is that I feel like George Martin, so it's like if you look at real history, like World War One, mm-hmm. you could probably watch a two-hour documentary and know everything you need to know about the principal players, how it started, the major battles, and the resolution, and maybe even how that influence world war ii two-hour documentary mm-hmm. pbs boom knocked it out or you could listen to 40 hours worth of dan carlin podcast and get all the nooks and crannies or you could read a thousand page in-depth history of the serbian rebels versus the austro-hungarian empire right sure the books of the game of thrones are more like the pot dan carlin hardcore history podcast mm-hmm. the show is more of the two-hour documentary like we are stripping away and it, it, like I said, in the instant cast, it's simpler. It's more straightforward. It's everything's more clear in the motivations because people are just, you know, you get the benefit of hindsight and windings down. Where Martin's is more realistic and a political, like you know, not everything that comes along is important to the plot. And there's a lot more red herrings. It's a lot more nuanced and complicated. Mm-hmm. Which is better? I mean. Yeah, it's subjective. Do you prefer the extended editions of Lord of the Rings or the theatrical? Do you like The Hobbit six hour, if nine hour bloat? I mean, it's yeah, all yeah. kind of personal taste, right? It is definitely so, and I think that's where it is. Where it's like it's not uh, in the past. We got genuine perversions of the things we loved, like a gritty take on Captain America, where he just kills people wantonly, and you know, just stupid <laughs> changes, or you know, Super Mario Brothers movie. That's an abortion. this is not that like it's not the wholesale strip mining of the things you loved and perverted it's 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 a simplified streamlined version it's harder to get mad about that yeah although people do hang out on the game of thrones subreddit you'll you'll find them um all right moving on nick p says i got my hands on the first four episodes this season wait a second Uh oh that sounds spoilery uh with uh that a friend of mine told me about however been struggling to figure out what i should do with them on the one hand, I could finally get my Game of Thrones fix I've been waiting 10 months for. But on the other hand, I'll have to wait weeks before a new episode and have to avoid conversations with friends who don't watch the leaks. Mm. I know this isn't a traditional content-related question, but what do you think I or anyone else in these episodes should do? Damn. Speaking it's of personal tough for opinion. Me, yeah, it's tough for me not to speak as a podcaster. Well, that's a valid experience. I mean, that's, that's a valid As a podcaster, I, th- I think you feel this way as well. It is a glorious opportunity to time shift some of the stuff that we do. Yeah, because we're slaves to the internal wheel. Episode comes out, feedback is gathered, podcast is produced 48 hours or less after it comes out, and, and this the is, circle is complete. This is not an uncommon experience for reviewers, right? I mean, screeners are a thing that has existed for a very, very long time. Uh, you have to be a certain size. We don't get screeners. Um, I, I guess you have to be important enough or a certain size, trustworthy enough to get those things, but capable as, of being sued and actually get money out of, <laughs> uh, but a lot of people are doing exactly that. And, but the flip side I, of that, so it's, it's weird for us because we're in a position where we could do that in a sort of screener method. I don't know. 
if I want to watch them all as a lump, because that makes, you know, talking about feedback very difficult without, you know, having the same problem he does, spoiling it for people sure. who haven't seen them. And how, like, that's the other thing, is, like, from a listener expectation, the expectation is that uh, that we've set is that the hosts are going to experience this in conjunction, especially for the instant cast and this. And, you know, there's always a fear that somehow subconsciously you will have a different reaction when you're talking about a episode because you, you know, like right now we're talking about, I'm not sure. We're not sure. Well, if we knew for sure that would change retroactively what we felt about the other material. Certainly. So that, you know, but that's us as podcasters. Like, how do you satisfy, how do you figure that stuff out? I mean, cause the honestly, thing is, if I were just a viewer, I'd watch them all. Right. And then I would just wait a month to pick back up where right. they left off. Cause I, I like, I prefer to binge watch stuff. And and some That's people how don't I do because you you yeah. are like are you the type of kid that your parent gives you candy bar and you slice it into ten equal parts and you eat once a day and you, you prolong that enjoyment over an entire week or whatever or I'm are not. you the kid that gets the candy bar and just nom 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 and yeah. it's gone? No, I, I love. Candy is bars. one right? Is one wrong? I I I can't say. No, I mean it's... ethically, if you're an HBO subscriber or if you cannot legally get the episode in day and daytime with the rest of the world. Mm. I think ethically you're fine doing whatever. Like I, how am I stealing from HBO? If I download these four episodes, you and I both are HBO subscribers. Yeah. We paid for this content. Uh Um, And they don't have commercials. It's not like their advertisers getting ripped off or anything. And if you, for whatever reason can't afford or decide not to, you're going to do whatever the hell you're going to do anyway. So like, here's the question you got to ask yourself. Do you think, that you want to have conversations with your friends about these. And if so, will you be able to keep your mouth shut when it comes to spoilers or even delineate spoilers from non-spoilers or the, during these conversations? The hammer to me is this. We are living in a post-spoilers society. If you do not... You are. <laughs> if you do... No, I'm saying... Here, listen to my point. If, if you do not watch these episodes and you are part of the online discourse, if you're hanging out in the forums... Like hanging out on the wikis, you're hanging out on the subreddits. I'm almost guaranteeing you will see, you will be spoiled. Yeah, because this information's out there. It's Pandora's box. So if that's important to you, then I would say binge the hell out of them because the pain of getting a third episode spoiled this week is probably going to outweigh the pang of regret that waiting the world to to wait a month for it to be caught up. Yeah, I can get behind so, that. So that's the thing. It's like that is a real thing. If you're a spoiler, a spoiler foe, which I'm not, uh, but if you are, that's a real concern. And I would watch the hell out of them because I can't see how unless you just get off of Twitter, get off of Facebook, get off the forums, get off the subreddits. You kind of have to do that anyway, though, it. because there are books, right? I mean, for a large part of it, people on the Internet are spoiling shit anyway. Yeah, but there again – if you're a, you can avoid that by staying out of the subreddits that discuss like most sites are kind of geared towards not spoiling you. If you're just a show watcher, yeah. like there's separate wikis there's separate forums. When you got to something like this, we're just out there. Um, I, I, I feel like it, it's a bigger risk. Okay. So anyway, moving on, Corey P says, I've been listening to podcasts, but I've never emailed in. Want to get your thoughts on what you think will happen with the Danny super friends team. It seems that Varys and Tyrion will be joining with her. I also think that they're that, that this is where Littlefinger and Sansa are headed with Littlefinger saying they're going out of reach. Uh, side note, this will in- create an inter- interesting romantic decision for Sansa between Tyrion and Littlefinger. A horrific I, romantic decision. 
Yeah, like, I don't think neither she, of those choices are good. A for her, sure. But I love Tyrion, but he's the son of the people who murdered her father, and she never liked him anyway. Well, largely for that reason. Plus, he's. I mean, she was forced to be with him. I I get why she didn't like him, she but she likes, doesn't like him. <laughs> the 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 hor- the funny irony is that she loves Loras because he is the shining, beautiful knight of her fairy tales. Yeah, but he's a shallow kind of shit, uh-huh. uh, and he's gay to boot. So that's barking <laughs> up the literally long tree. Whereas Tyrion is uh, lots of very positive qualities, but he's also Lannister. Sure. And Littlefinger is a fucking creep. No, no. Yeah, Littlefinger yeah. does not get Sansa. God damn it. Well, I can't you hear say me, that. Martin. I can't say that for sure. You hear me, Dan? And Littlefinger tends to get what he wants. So I don't know. Dan if he wants Dave, Sansa. I don't know. That would be a, a, a finger too far for me. <laughs> Uh, who else do you think is going back to her? Will Jorah make a return? Bran? Mm. I look forward to hopefully hearing what you think. I think Jorah's coming back, yeah. I don't think he's done. You know, he got dismissed in shame, but I think he'll be back. Uh, what about Bran? Br- the the kid in the tree? Yeah. Yeah, he's gotta come back. Do I you mean, think he's gonna come back uh, to on the Westeros side of things, or the Essos side of things? Dude... He's on the tree side at this point. He's on the old man in the tree side. I don't fucking know where he's going. Yeah. He's so far north, he's he's stuck in this tiny little ray of sunshine way yeah. up in the winter. I don't know. I just question whether if they go over to Danny, if they're truly out of reach of Cersei. Although, the one thing is, in Marine, I don't think anyone... I don't think uh, Westerosi could assassinate Danny at this point. She's too well protected by fanatically loyal people. So if she I would think get if, to that circle... Yeah, if they were going to try it, Tywin probably would have. Instead yeah. of like sending this note about Jorah, he probably would have just sent an assassin. I also think... I wonder what Danny's going to think with her suspicions being flamed by uh, you know, the Jorah situation, what she'll think about the hand of the king and the, spy, <laughs> the, the spider. People responsible yeah, in, in for some of the scheming against her coming to her with open hand. Like A lot of people think this is a slam dunk... Like, oh, of course she'll welcome that, but man. There's a lot of reasons not to. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of reasons not to. Yeah. Uh, Janine the Dragonwalker said, uh, this is what I wanted from a season opener. I'm frankly tired of people who expect jaw-dropping drama in every episode. Although they did spoil us last season. Sure. Every other episode was a damn finale. Uh, but she finds that that constant drama gets tiring to watch. Sometimes you need to ease into things and have the storylines or with the storylines changing from the books, though not always such a radical change as we may think we may need some time to absorb into process. Plus we need an episode to just catch up and refocus. And I thought this one did that nicely. Did you guys notice how much Sophie Turner's voice has deepened over the last year? She sounds quite <laughs> grown up now versus last year. And it was a little weird for me not having a visual. Um, I, th- I didn't notice that. Well, plus, uh, I believe Janine is one as uh, our fan is blind, so she's going. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Also, um, I wonder if you were watching the pirated copies because I heard across the board that there was an audio a- a- a effect to whatever encoding process, and they're kind of <laughs> shitty quality. That's the other thing. Huh. I've heard. Um, uh, anecdotally, because I haven't seen them myself, that they some of the voices were pitched lower, or the sound was kind of pitched lower hmm. in general. So I don't know if you saw it legit or you saw it uh, time shifted. And I'm not judging either way, mm-hmm. but that's a possibility because I didn't notice. I didn't notice. Um, 
Did you? Uh, she goes, also, nerdy technicality here. If Littlefinger and Sansa are going west, isn't the high road through the mountains where the hill tribes and all that are from? It seems more than a couple days from King's Road. Of course, we don't know just how long they've been in that carriage before those lines were spoken. So maybe... Um, so the concern there is the hill tribes are where uh, uh, Catelyn Stark and Tyrion went through, where Tyrion first met Bronn. They got jumped by all those kind of savage hill folk. Yeah. Did, which way did they say they were going? They, they said, said they're going they west. They said they were going west, but they're actually going east. No, they said they're going east, but they're going, but they're actually going west. Really? So east. So so you know you got the mountain and you know oh. where the Erie is kind of like in the middle of the Vale. And east would be out towards the coast well, where I, the fingers are, and west would be. But also, we don't. I, sir, yeah, they, if that's true, then I doubt they're headed towards. But we don't know how far away they the are sea. from the Erie at this point. Like, I don't know if geography. I don't know if they're riding through. I I, I feel like Peter would know about the hill folk mm-hmm. or the hill tribes rather, and he would know to avoid them. And he's armed sufficiently to not be afraid of them in any way. So I don't think that's going to be a concern moving forward. Uh, she also speculates that Littlefinger is taking Sansa beyond the wall because consider, mm. um, uh, where else could he take her that Cersei can't reach her? Seems like a yeah. valid point. Uh, who steps into leadership of the wildlings? Uh, he thinks she thinks <laughs> Tormund, of course. He may not, not be a kneeler either, but he will come to some sort of agreement with Stannis and Jon Snow. Yeah, he definitely seems like the most likely person. He's Let's put it this way. He's the only person that the audience could reasonably see doing that. Good point. Who else do we Which know in the wildlings at this sure, point, sure. right? Uh, the other thing is, we we think of this from uh, the wildlings' perspective of of like, you know, the, I guess Stannis could just burn and execute us all. But if we step back, can he really? We know he needs this army. Yeah. So, so will Stannis eventually flex a little bit rather than just continually execute or write off this army? Maybe it's not like he holds all of the power. I think it seems that way. But if you, like I said, if you take a step back, it seems like there's a little wiggle room there. Uh, Jonathan A from Cali says, "Who do you think would fight in a, uh, or who do you think would win in a fight to the death? Robin Aaron or Samuel Tarley? Season one, Sam versus season five, uh, or and he's also debate season one, Sam versus season five, Sam. No, it's it's Sam any season. It's Sam any just his size alone." I don't know how Robin gets any damage done. Well, I mean, the Sam in the season one just wouldn't defend himself. At least Robin is trying to block the blows. Like, on the other hand, if Sam just trips and falls on Robin, it's exactly, all over. Exactly, yeah. So, I, I think I've got Sam in I think season, season five, Sam, it's a runaway. Oh, yeah. It's a runaway, especially if Gilly's watching. <laughs> Inver M has a question about Cousin Lancel. Is his newfound religious affiliation the same as Melisandre's, i.e. the Lord of the Light, or is it another cult? I'm going to see if you can answer this one, Jim. I have no idea. Really? God no idea. I, I'll i tell you what. I don't understand. Like, I don't know who's working for the seven gods or the Lord of the Light or yeah. like, I don't know anything about the religion or magic of this universe. And I honestly don't care to. All right. Well, they've they've laid it all out for us. Uh, Lancel is uh, follows the faith of the seven. So this is the... Uh, majority okay. religion for Westeros. So the, the sparrows are they're like so. I think are following of, the seven. Think of gods. the High Septon, who's kind of the the douche that met uh, Cersei uh, at the beginning of the episode, and saying all these lords and ladies are waiting to see your dead dad. And yeah, uh, so he's kind of like uh, the old Pope, Pope Palpatine. 
likes the rich stuff, uh, you know, a little bit more sterner, less less comp- compassionate. Mm-hmm. And the sparrows are the new pope. He's okay. a little bit more simple, a little bit more down to earth, more of the people concerned with the plight of the poor and unprivileged. There, it's the same faith. You get it. It's just a different emphasis. One caters to they the rich serve and the powerful. Same gods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah, yeah. like the two popes. I sure. that was the point the, I was trying to the make. Many branches of Christianity and sure. In well, this even di- I mean, these are the exact. These are like they're all Roman Catholics. It's just you know which are are you are you they have slightly different philosophies. Are you primarily like, concerned with serving the rich and getting favors and making maybe bending the rules like setting aside marriages where they need to be set? Or are you more strict like nope, this is what the seven says. Yeah. This is what the father and mother, the crone, the maiden, the smith, the warrior, and the stranger. God damn, I think I got them all. This is what they're saying, and there's no this is this is absolutes. Or do you do you cater to the rich and powerful? Okay, and then there's some other god that yeah, there's the Ramor, heretics who's the, the Lord of Light, and that that comes from off of Westeros. And uh-huh. then you've got the northern that still worship the, the old gods, the old gods or the yeah. tree gods, Ned's gods. And that's the thing. Like it seems that the nor- the the old gods have a bit of a juice in their tank like you can warg into things and you can kind of see the future and you apparently can throw fireballs and shit um and the lord of the light has some ju- juice in his tank he can resurrect people from the dead he can pop shadows out of twats he can do a lot of things faith of the seven seems very toothless they don't mm. do shit all right so i think that's interesting yeah i don't all right <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Mike K said, I'm curious about your thoughts on this. Assume the following. Stannis claims that Joffrey, Tommen, and Marcella are all bastards, therefore have no claim to the throne. A bastard is defined as a child out of wedlock. Marriage is determined uh, based on religion, and the Iron Throne seems to adhere to Westerosi religions, the old and new gods. At least it seems that way from the ceremony where Joffrey and Tommen were each crowned. How does Stannis even have a claim if he doesn't believe in the religion that would define these kids as bastards in the first place? I think that the Lord, I think that all the religions see a bastard as a bastard. They're a less legitimate in the um, eyes of like claims to the throne. Like even Dorn, that seemed to be fairly non judgmental when it comes to bastards and just loose morals. Yeah. Still, like, I don't think you're going to see the lines of heredity going through bastard children. Hmm. Like so, they're, they're soft Sand on bastards. Not going to be the queen. None of Oberyn's bastard sisters are going to sit in in the Sunspear or whatever their capital is. Yeah. So it's I, I feel like that that's kind of like a universal thing. Mm-hmm. It's legitimate versus illegitimate. Not not a matter of spirituality or sacredness. Okay. Uh, Bob in Illinois says, "Hey guys, did you notice Charles Dance is given a prime credit in the opening sequence?" What's up with that? Mm-hmm. Is it just for this one scene as a dead guy, or is he going to be in more of the season? I don't think he got such a prime credit spot in the previous seasons when he was a big player. Will there be a lot of flashbacks this season? I kind of like the opening scene with the young... Oh, well, that's that's a that's a non-sequitur. Let's talk about that. Charles Dance and the screen credit. Um, no, I, th- I think he was saying kind of like the, the, the flashback with Cersei. Ah. Um, I don't think we're going to see any flashbacks, although I guess it wouldn't shock me. But I saw some people speculate on, like, professional blogs, like Seppenwall, and some of those guys were thinking that it's kind of a pain in the ass for an actor to come back for just one death scene or just lying there dead. Mm-hmm. And maybe that was um, to show appreciation for a man of 
his talents to come and do that just kind of favor for them. Could so be. he gets a prime Could spot, be. just like not like he, not like Charles Dance would like fucking prima donna or anything. Yeah, it was something that he it's, didn't request. It's but, a respect, like really. Yeah. Thanks for helping us out here. Maybe so. A latex dummy just wouldn't have done. Wouldn't yeah. have done the same thing. Uh, Judd B says, "It just means it seem like Double D's uh, have their don't give a fuck switch turned on in regards to makeup." Aaron's criticism of the tapioca pudding. Three-Eyed Raven is well-known, as well as the mountain not being aged up to look older than his younger brother, the Hound, mm-hmm. when all would have taken is a little bit of salt and peppering of his beard and his hair with some gray. I bring this up because I did not buy the witch in the tent in Cersei's flashback scene at all. Was she rough around the edges? Sure. Would a child find her intimidating or frightening? Sure. But add a few layers of clothing and tone down the eyeliner and she'd fit right in at Craster's Keep or any of the low-rent brothels we've seen. Mm-hmm. To their credit, the Double Ds have always known when to emit flamboyant features, such as in the book, Dario Nyquilis has purple hair and a forked beard. <laughs> but for fantasy series featuring dragons, giants, ice demons, it seems like they should not be afraid to swing for defenses on notable characters and should certainly be aware of the smaller details when it comes to aging characters up. This yeah. is weird. Why don't they seem like they care about details like that when they sweat so many others? I don't know. And it would seem to only add to the effect in and, this scene, right? It's, it's not like I need this guy to look like the old the mountain. It's I need this guy to look like he's older than the hound. Yeah. That is a thing. And you need you want this witch to look kind of scary. Although I mean I don't know. Cersei goes in and she says, You're just boring. You don't sure. seem all that scary. Sure. So I mean, they're definitely pointing it out. Yeah, but no, it's, I, I, it felt like a conscious choice in that scene to me. What's weird to me, it's like there's some rule that no one on Game of Thrones can be ugly. Even mm. characters that are very ugly in the books, like Tyrion and Brienne, are objectively handsome people. Like I'm struggling to think of a single person who is just god, who is just ugly. Can you think of one? Like just really horribly ugly. Yeah, like even Davo. Like the guys I mean, are, are like people nothing. Who aren't... They're just like they're perfectly serviceable looking, distinguished gentlemen. Or you know, I mean, there, there isn't anybody I would call ugly. There are a lot of people I would call very ordinary looking. It's not like everybody is a model. I mean, every once in a while you'll thing. get an old nan or you'll get a rough looking craster's keep. But then again, you know, he also it's like I. It does seem like everyone's above average beautiful in this show. And maybe that's just a quirk mm. with them. Huh. And they got 8 million people watching, so <laughs> they ain't wrong. Uh, moving on, Sleaf says, I had to write in and say, I will, wait, wait, hey, I will have to write on and say, I will officially become a Club Ball Moose subscriber if you guys do a YouTube reenactment to Jon Snow, Melisandre, are you a virgin scene? Oh my Aaron God. is Jon Snow and Jim is Melisandre. I'm more of the Jon Snow type, but I... I don't know. Well, I'm more than Melisandre. No, you're not. The problem is neither one of us. I are. don't get cold. You don't. It's you're not right. because I got the Lord of the Light inside me. There you go. To strap a red wig to your head and you're <laughs> Melisandre. Uh, no, I got the the. I'm building the Jon Snow hair here. Yeah. So you just got to work on. Maybe in the, another year I can get there. And plus, it's the, your dialogue is essentially no, <laughs> no. So I I don't know. Sure. Don't know if we we can do that. Uh, he says, all in all, is a good episode to kick off the season. As you said in the instant cast, a lot of setup. Religious fanaticism definitely agrees with Lancel Lannister. Damn boy. Glad they brought him back as well as Kevin. I literally laughed out loud at Danny when she went to visit her dragon. She just strolls in and thinks she could be all like, hey, kids, I'm back. How are you? Come hang out. And they're all like, yeah. what the fuck, mom? You chained us up in the fucking basement. <laughs> I mean, it worked for Britney Spears. Why wouldn't it work for another oh, blonde girl? 
However, did it did it work for her? <laughs> she's on the cover of People, and she seems happy with her kids. Oh, she seems happy. I'm not sure about that. <laughs> However, Miss Sandy and Grey Worm, seriously, this quote unquote love story, whatever the hell it is, needs to go. So boring and pointless since they're not going to bang, yeah. and I'm pretty sure one of them's going to die. I just don't care. They need to be making some other point with that. Yeah. I can't. I can't imagine a love story between them being interesting with Mister No Dick and and Miss Sandy, who I like. I don't know where she fits into this whole thing. She seems yeah, to be man. relegated now just to that storyline. Yeah, uh, with White Rat uh, and his whole deal with the. Um, White you know, rat. That's the guy, the name they insult the guy's throat slit while he was getting some boob, oh. boob snuggles in. How would I know that? Because they said it. They did? <laughs> uh, anyway. So color animal, that's the that's the nomenclature for these people? You just cracked the code. You just cracked the insult Seriously? Code. Yeah. And the, G- green badger? Like, well, see, and that was... Have... In the books, mm-hmm. that was a further control mechanism that literally every day take away their name. They well, and every day they pick a new name out of the hat. Oh, like they'd go. How did the leaders keep that straight? Um, well, that's the thing. Like, I don't think it mattered. the The leaders wore a special hat. Like, instead of one spike, had three spike, and everybody else was a follower. So mm. you knew the. But it was kind of like reinforced. You are not important. You don't even get a name that you get to keep. Okay. So they threw away that in the book, the the show, but mm. no, regardless, like I thought they were going to give that a little bit more poignancy, but now if they go that route, it just feels reductive. So I'm kind of fucked this plot line too, but yeah, hopefully they'll redeem it. We'll see. Hugo H said the connection may be a little weak, but I'd like to hear your take on comparison between Littlefinger and Frank Underwood. <laughs> Both men come from nothing, rose to power behind the scenes, use prostitutes, mm-hmm. gain information, etc. Both have very false accents. Um, I think they would do both. I think they would do very well in each other's position. Probably. They, they are of a kind. Um, I think Littlefinger throws Claire uh, off of Air Force One <laughs> uh, this season. Through the moon door. Through, um, the moon, through the moon door, the emergency <laughs> hatch of Air Force One. Yep. And uh, I think Frank really enjoys uh, whoever Lancel's playmate is. Oliver? He eats all the ribs in the room. All the... <laughs> Yeah, he he just be boar, constant boar hunts with him. Yes, and they they would <laughs> slow bleed those boars. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Lord J M of House Baxter says in response to preview cast, part of me as a book reader hopes that after the show ends and George Martin finishes a dream of spring, the ending is different. Just to troll everyone, put Danny on the Iron Throne in one version and Pod on the Iron Throne in the other. Uh, I. I don't know. Podrick on the Iron Throne. I I, yeah. I hate it when creators and the word troll come together, like, you know, the Kirkman thing. I I, mm-hmm. I, I feel like I want the creators to have more respect for the people that made them rich and famous, but that's just me. And George does seem like he's a stand-up dude. He seems like he feels the weight of this expectation on him, which might be a bad thing. I don't know. Am I the only one frustrated by Danny's complete fear for dragons? It completely demonstrates why she's not fit to conquer or lead at all. She calls herself the mother of dragons as one of her many titles, but cowers in fear and runs off whenever one of her kids give her attitude. Yeah, I'm I'm not frustrated by that. I think it's good characterization. Whenever she decides to stand up and give him the mother's look of death, she may be able to control them. Yeah, and we're waiting for that time. I I, yes. I think they've been doing a good job with Danny yes. and, and her... Not necessarily rise to power, but her rise to who she's going to be. You yeah. Know? And she, yeah, I mean, Danny's not ready. 
She's yeah. not ready for any of this. Mm-hmm. Will she be ready? Who knows? But it's I'm having fun watching it. Yeah, me too. I know a lot of people are getting uh, testy about the whole, like, God damn, I thought she would be riding to Westeros on Dragons yeah. two seasons ago. I suppose if you're getting impatient, I could see why. Yeah, but, but, but I feel like if you made it through last season, then you're maybe ready to settle in and uh, and and see how it goes. Tyrion's the key. Dan from Manchester says, it took a whole 16 minutes to get a glimpse of a topless woman and a major act of violence. How dare they waste valuable screen time with well-written dialogue, deep characterization, and wire-esque mm-hmm. political plotting. We do get a brief side boob from Daenerys, but then we get more of her naked partner. We also get a long homosexual love scene. How dare they be so fair with gender politics and not just aim everything at heterosexual males? This show has <laughs> lost touch with what's important and, more importantly, what its key fan base wants on the screen. Hmm. That's all heavily sarcasm tagged. Obviously. said, by the way, an extremely attractive woman asked me if I was a virgin and then answered with a good after I told her that I wasn't. I can safely say I'd have my clothes off fashion Superman on cocaine. Jon Snow is certainly no Don Draper. I made it at the same point in instant cast. Yeah. That's what yeah. you do. Mm-hmm. That's what you do. Like, it's like, that elevator takes a while to get up that wall. It's like, are, are we doing this now, lady? <laughs> I have a burning stake of my own I'd like to, to, to show you. Jesus. Uh... <laughs> Say so. Uh, no, no. Want to nope, stop it keep, there? Keep no, nope, want to stop it there? Yeah, Matt, yeah. Matt S says, "I know the obvious thought is the prophecy uh, for the prophecy is Marjorie, but can't it be Danny?" Let's do a roundup on who the queen, more younger and beautifuler. That's not a word, but whatever. Then, then uh, Cersei could be Marge. I think for it's, sure. I, Marge. Yeah, it's. De- I. I mean, certainly Cersei views it as Marjorie. She uh, has no idea that Danny is a but, threat. But at Danny all. fits that profile. Yeah. Uh Sansa is a princess as well, since John or uh Rob declared himself King of the North. Mm-hmm. What about Arya? Nah. No? I don't I don't really even see her wanting the throne. <laughs> frankly. Sure. But maybe she's the type of person in, that needs to sit on it then. Maybe. Like anyone who wants the Iron Throne, I kind of want to self-select you as not being on the Iron Throne yeah. because you're probably going to be terrible. Sure. I'm trying to think if there's anyone else, any young, beautiful Brand. people. <laughs> she younger than certain? Yeah, probably, yeah. Probably a little bit, yeah. Okay. She's not a princess, though. She's not. She's not, she's no. not, she's not queen material. Mm-hmm. Melisandre. <laughs> I don't know that she's younger. I think she's about the same age. About the same age. Yeah. About the same age. And also not a queen. She's a former whore, if I recall her backstory correctly. I don't know that that matters when you can do magic. True. <laughs> she can have a shadow crown pop out. And yes. There you go. Queen Melisandre the first. Uh, Troy C. What if Melisandre asked John if he was a virgin because she knows something about John's mother that we, the audience, do not? Um, Melisandre plans on what if she plans on using John's royal biology in the same or similar way that Stannis and her created the ghost vagina demon? Mm hmm. Um, Stannis has only done that once. Maybe Melisandre can only do it once per royal or kingly man. So, if you'll recall, yeah. Stannis came to him after he got came to her after he got his ass whooped on the Blackwater and said, "Make me another one of them shadow babies, woman." And she says, "Nope, you're not strong enough. I used up too much of you." Uh, she was able to make four leeches out of. There does seem to be a limit to how much you can do of use of someone's blood and his blood magic before it kills them. Um, 
you know, you can say the but same thing about how But then can't you just use Danny, blood magic to bring them back or something? I, no, because I, I feel like that they're... <laughs> like, as much as you make fun of it, I do feel like there is a law of conservation in effect okay. here. That, like, it takes a Cal Drogo and a witch and a unborn child to bring three dragons back to life, you know? Okay. There's, like, the law of equivalent exchange if you're a Full Metal Alchemist fan is yeah. in effect here. That's uh, one of Newton's laws, I'm pretty sure. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, Jon Snow, we don't know who his mother is. It's one of the mysteries. Mm. Uh, one of the mysteries they set up in almost the first episode of the show. Do you think there's some royal connection there? I mean, arguably, Ned's blood was royal. He, that's, that's what I was thinking. He descends like, from the kings of the north. I mean, up uh, less than 300 years ago, they were kings. Yeah, so I I don't know that he needs his mother to be some kind of royal. But if she was, that would be pretty pretty boss. Yeah, why not? All right, that's all we got. That was quite a lot, but that's all we got for this week. You can send us more feedback at Game of Thrones at baldmove.com. Also, you might be wondering, where the hell is the spoiler section? We are going to be releasing that later this week. Um, Friday. Friday. If I'm, if I'm correct. Friday. Yeah. I think... Um, if I could figure out a way to do it, Club Bald Move members would get uh, a bonus or early peek at this. Oh. Um, I, again, I'm, I'm trying to do these video stuff, but it's it's a struggle between finishing off Justified and my struggles with Adobe Premiere at this point. Um, so those might come later in the season or be more sporadic than I'd hoped. But, yes, I'm going to be recording that Thursday, and it'll be released uh, Friday around noon. But that'll give me a lot more time because, damn, we got a lot, a lot of spoiler feedback, which I'm loving. A lot of great tinfoil suggestions. So this is going to give me a lot more time to to work on that. Cool. So That's Game it. of Thrones at baldmove.com. Of course, you can participate on forums. What's cool about forums.baldmove.com is I keep two threads, spoiler and non-spoiler. So the book readers can have fun and the show readers, show watchers can have fun and uh, not intermix and spoil each other. So that's awesome. Uh, you can also get a release schedule or keep up with the releases on Facebook.com slash Bald Move and on Twitter at Bald Move. Now I'm done. All right, cool. Get us out of here. We'll be back right after next week's episode for the Instant Cast. And until then, I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. See you. See ya.